Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Great. All right. Move your uh cool. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> Let's call Just that kick an it intro. Off like any normal episode, guys. Mm-hmm. Like we're all in the stewed together. Ah, yeah, the stewed. Ah, the stewed. It's having a normal one. And Vin is here with us. <laughs> Vin is here with us. Is this how the episode starts? Is this are yep. we saying yeah. this is yep. the official? Yeah, no, I think come ben, on, let's yes, make it a big yes. thing. Let's no, make, no. Okay. No, what Ben said is it's definitely the start. It's tough to make the five. <laughs> and it's tough to stay alive. It's topical, you see, because this is our fifth anniversary, and also, we are amidst a pandemic. There you go. So both things are true. This, of course, is a very special episode. I'm calling it right now our best episode ever. <laughs> It's the blank check, fifth anniversary, self-quarantine, social distancing spectacular. (laughs) Coming live to you from each of our homes. Live from four different apartments. That's true. We've got bigger, nice, or is it? Yeah, bigger, nice. It's little, little, little nicer. Little nicer. Little nicer. nicer. I'm sorry. And then, of course, then I'm here um, at small fine. It's small. It's fine. Pretty much. Uh, um, I'm here live from uh, Media Messy, but I have taken advantage of we're recording this episode via Zoom for the first time. Yeah. And Zoom allows you to change your background. So I've been uh, cycling through different background photos of Vin Diesel. So yeah. right now I have a black and white photo of Vin Diesel in a boxing pose above my shoulder. Is he in so a, he like is a with satin jacket? Uh, I think he is. Now, David has also added a picture of Vin Diesel to his oh, background. Oh, I can't see his head. No, this is not Vin, but it's not a very good one. I'm trying to find it, but here we go. How about this one? David okay. has a shirtless man holding a, a, a goat, a baby it's goat. Not or Vin, a kid. Who is the shirtless man? There okay, he is. But of, wait, it's, of course, it's oh, mirrored. Yeah, Colin. David, yes, it, it does it backwards, but David Colin. has posted a shirtless picture of Colin Farrell from Tigerland. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So Classic. we're all we're we're putting our crushes in our background image. It's hard to do, Ange. My cat uh, just joined. It's hard to do, Joining much like well. making the five. It's tough to make the five, and it's tough to find a good background image of your celebrity crush. Uh, Angela Barracudo Farragudo, uh, joining us as well. Is there? We don't have a name for your apartment yet. No, you guys haven't been to my apartment. I don't think we haven't. No, no I've you... dropped you off outside of your apartment. That is right. that is the most I have been to your apartment. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You don't have a name at the tip of your tongue. We'll come up with it at some point over no, the No, I mean, my apartment, we have like a nickname for ourselves, but it's named after the street we live on. So I would rather mm. not say that on my. A hundred percent. How about this one? This one's good. That. This one's oh, good. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. David's Jamie. background is now Miami Vice, and he's sitting directly in between Tubbs and Crockett. Yeah. It's pretty perfect. Yeah, that one's good. Okay, good. Now I feel good. So here we are. We originally had some sort of plan for our fifth anniversary episode. I can't even really. I guess we were all just going to hang out and do stuff. There was some thought of us initially doing the Phantom Menace. We had a full plan. I, had a, I was going to get a, like a top hat and a cane and do a whole dance routine. 
Like the it was frog heavily from scripted. WB? Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. I would yes. say we probably had more plans this weekend, uh, Monday, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> was sure. where our focus was for a while. Yes, we had a lot of different uh, plans in place, uh, uh, including two live shows we were going to do, and yeah. this, and Ben was going to go full Michigan J Frog, uh, <laughs> and we're going to improvise a little bit here, because uh, the show must go on. Yeah. Uh, so through right. the magic of technology, the four of us are going to hang out here and talk about uh, the, this this journey we've been on uh, for the last five years. And I, when I say we, I mean the royal we, including you, the listener. Uh, Ange ducked off screen. It looked like she was barfing at you saying that, <laughs> but I think she was just petting her cat. Uh, no, I a was... Bit of both. He's trying to curl up on my hoodie, and I was moving some items out of the way for him. Right. Yep, he's doing it right. now. There he is. <sighs> oh, there he is. It's very cute. All right. So you're right. Yes, it's been five years. It's been almost exactly five years, right? Monday, March 23rd is the five-year anniversary of the first episode of Griffin and David Present the Phantom Podcast. Where we talked and- about the first seven-ish minutes of The Phantom Menace. I mean, we joke, but maybe our worst episode ever. It's that one of the one of, bottom ten, bottom bottom five makes the bottom, bottom five. Two, I think it's a really? hard bottom two. I think that and Amistad are undeniably the two worst ones because that episode is us explaining the bit that we're never going to address for the rest of the series in right. in too great detail. Yes, we we talk too much about that. Um, I still think you're too hard on the Amistad episode, but I'll admit it's been a while. Yeah, it's also like a brisk 41 minutes. Yeah. Which for us doesn't even really count as an episode. That's yeah, pretty much that's an ad a read March at this Madness point. recap if we rush it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anyway, we're here. Uh, we are going to embark on our next mini series next Sunday, correct? Next, right, correct. No Ben's choice. Uh, this 29th. is serving the palate cleanser role. Next Monday, we're driving straight into the wasteland, or at least a pre-wasteland Australia with Mad Max. Yeah, although it is, it was actually a pre-wasteland America when we recorded it. Whoa, uh, so that is if true. We don't if we don't talk about uh, various coronavirus, that's because uh, it wasn't on our mind whenever we fucking talked about Mad Max in Ben's apartment. I, I mean, definitely uh, in the uh, Beyond Thunderdome episode, I refer to the time we're recording as peak coronavirus panic. And boy, was I naive back then two weeks ago. Wow, you have made some bad calls on this podcast, but that was one of the worst. <laughs> one of the worst. I called it peak coronavirus, a time where that I might... was able to then leave the recording studio where I was in the same room as all of you. <laughs> And then go out and casually walk down the street, shake some hands, buy a sandwich, spit on strangers. Do your Watto show. I did my Watto show. That was two weeks ago. And now... UCB might never reopen. (laughs) Watto ended it. That's what I was telling David. It's just like, it's done. I mean, there is is some weird symmetry there to, you know, five years ago, you and I, David... We go into a small closet at the offices mm-hmm. of UCB Comedy, where Ben yep. Hosley is being paid in classes <laughs> and has been given permission to give us a flyer, to give us 10 episodes. Yeah. Todd Bieber graciously said, why not? And shout allowed you, Bieber. big shout out to Todd Bieber, allowed you to give us 10 
episodes, and it all stemmed out of a Watto tweet. And now five years later, I did a Watto show, and UCP might <laughs> close forever. We're only laughing because it's terrible. It's awful. All of it's bad. Everything's bad, except for Watto. Watto's doing really well. And also, hello, this guy. I'm looking Colin. at right now an email from February 17th, 2015. Oh! Um, where I followed up with you guys after meeting with Todd. And you never and- had to follow up with us ever again via email. That's not, that's not something you regularly <laughs> no. have to do. It's no. one and done. <laughs> Um, and I'm I'm looking here, and it, it's mm. it's saying not sustainable. <laughs> Interesting. That's Interesting. that's uh, yeah, that's there. Um, Does not have legs. Good call. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, it was a thing that Todd was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like he was really like giving me the chance to just make stuff for UCB and you guys pitched this insane idea. We've discussed it before on our hundredth and we've discussed it's it, come right? up. Yeah. It was such a great opportunity to be able to record in the closet with you guys, the windowless closet. Mm-hmm. And that's where this all started. Griffin changed the picture again. And it seems to be some sort of double Vin Diesel. <laughs> it's some sort of parent trap situation. He's got yeah. longboard shorts on. And He's got longboard board. shorts. It's two of him that are shirtless. And I was jealous of the fact that you got to sit in between Crockett and Tub. So I wanted to sit between Vin and Vin. Um, yes, it was uh, It was a flyer. And I remember we finished recording. And uh, Ben, you said, well, you guys will get the hang of it. And then... <laughs> yes, you were not enthused. You were like, all no. right. <laughs> and then the second episode, you were like, that was actually, you were like, that, yeah. that was surprisingly that was uh, listenable. That was like, that was like a real episode, guys. Yeah. Right. And then we were off to the races. Yes. True. Uh, end of story. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to read <laughs> That's it. And here That's we it. are. And nothing happened in between. We didn't learn any lessons along the way or anything. Absolutely not. To think back of... Uh, in those days, uh, when we started the show and podcasting, I mean, had you know been around, but it wasn't as popular as it is at this very moment, for sure. Right. Conan uh, had not yet entered the fray. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was popular, but it hadn't been invented yet. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> I think serial had happened. Of course, serial right? had happened. Right. Right. So it we was were referencing serial. It was post serial pre Conan. Yes. But, you know, it's funny. I was talking to uh, uh, Kevin Porter, a uh, friend of the show, future guest. Uh, who Former hosted, Gilmore uh, Guy. Gilmore Guys, right. Now has Gilmore gone to do guys. many other shows, uh, Good Christian Fun and uh, Inside Voices. But, but he did Gilmore Guys, which I think had been running for at least a year at the time that we started our show. Yeah, that sounds about they, right. They had built like a good uh, following at that point. And and we were talking about the time, you know, getting into podcasting, which was sort of like the second wave of comedy podcasts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and he was saying a thing that I, I realized I felt at the same time, too, uh, which was, uh, oh, I missed the boat. I, it's too late to start a podcast. You know, like, I feel like at the time that we started this in 2015, I felt that way where I was like, well, there are just too many podcasts now. And the ones that are successful, they got in early and they had a chance to, like, 
you know, make an impact and grow slowly. And then something like cereal, every once in a while there'll be a phenomenon. But like, uh, you know, the market's too diluted and there's not space for a new show right now. And Gilmore right. Guys had started a year earlier than us. Uh, and they felt the same way. Like, well, you know, we, we got in too late, but at least we're just doing this to have fun and whatever. No more uh, gates could be locked, essentially, is what you're saying. Right. And, and now it's, uh, I feel like now it's the thing that everyone says to me. Where they're like, well, you guys are lucky you got in like just at the right moment. Mm-hmm. Like you got in before it was too late. Now it's too late to start a podcast. It's never too late. Uh, it's never too that's late. That's the point. Of course it isn't. Uh, of course five years it will be crazier than it is now uh, in some way or another. But uh, yeah, these waves are kind of uh, meaningless. But when we got in, we got yeah. in smart because it sounded good, crisp. Okay, I mean... It was yes. funny. It was informative. It was we very really made something that was cool. Above all else. But 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 it was also... Uh, the, the key to it was... It was uh, conversations that we would have had for fun, irregardless. Despite the fact that the bit was so high concept at the beginning... <laughs> What it, bit? it was the the kind of bit. I, I'm sorry, the Smiths were so high concept at the beginning. No bits. <laughs> no bits, Smiths. Um, Smiths is always going to be high concept. God damn it! In the Heights better come out. I'm really. Oh. I'm oh, sweating yeah. that one. What is he saying? Good morning. Good good morning, Usnavi. I don't even want to parody it right Usnavi. now because I'm so worked up about this. But uh, I know, not to speak out of turn, but I know people who have seen it and say it is fantastic. Really? And and I just want to, I want that movie. I mean, I, I know that, you know, movies will be eventually released, even if their release has to be delayed. But I'm just thinking about it right now. Okay, this episode is topical. Can we pause the the self-mythologizing? I'll stop my yeah, stream of hagiography. Let's pause that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about the state of movies right now? Because I think it's an important thing for us to talk about. I miss them so much. Like, I want nothing more than to just, like, go to a movie theater and yeah. not think about anything right now. And that's taken away right now, too, unfortunately. For the good I of people. Texting, Obviously, it's important. For the good of people. For the right good now. of people. But I was texting with Gabrus this morning. And Gabris. he said to me, John Gabrus, friend of the friend show, show. past in future guest. Humble brag, winky winky, and he said it's like the three things that I have to do for my mental health are uh, a gym, beach, movie theater, a slight variation, the Long Island version of gym tan laundry. (laughs) Right. And I said to him, yeah, I relate because for me, it's movie theater, movie theater, movie theater. (laughs) Just different AMCs throughout Manhattan and they're all fucked. Yeah, and it's a little scary now, not just the fact that, okay, so movie theaters are off the table temporarily, uh, because I understand that as a necessary uh, move to ensure the uh, the future of humanity, but also that we are in this weird time where the question is, what will movie theaters look like uh, whenever this ends, and uh, how will uh, viewing habits change and customer habits change? I don't know, it's weird. Yes. I mean, our podcast is not very often about current release films we are rarely incentivizing people to go to the theaters in a certain way our podcast is perfectly positioned for a time like this where it's just assignments of things to watch at home that's true not intentional but we're people who love going to the fucking movie theater yep yep 
we have seen a talkie picture on a screen. We loved a, room a full movie. Of strangers. We, we loved a movie. Loved a movie. Ben likes the movies. Yeah, I like movies. <laughs> <laughs> Three movie but lovers, and w- but I like Go joking ahead. about them a lot. Yeah, you love joking about them, but it mm. is this weird thing of just like right, it, it, like something like Fast Nine, right? My beloved Vin punted all the way to twenty twenty one. Yes, initial shock and sadness, but in the long term, I am happier to wait a year to see that movie properly than to have it drop on iTunes in like two weeks. Oh man, iTunes for fast would be so depressing. In the Heights is the same thing. Yeah. In the Heights is the same thing. There's this thing going around right now where people are like, oh, is this it? And it's sort of like, no, I don't think so. For one, you're going to not see studios releasing these, like Wonder Woman or whatever. No, Warner Brothers isn't going to release that because the potential profit of a movie release is still just on a whole other level. It's and so also, I think once it's possible for people to gather yeah. in groups again, I know I personally am going to like stay the fuck outside when I can and go to right. crowded events once it is, you know, deemed safe to do so. Right. Like if Wonder Woman is the first movie to open when the movie theaters reopen, it's going to make so much goddamn money. Like of people course. are going to want to communally gather in a space with strangers whose medical histories they don't know and watch that goddamn movie. Something like In the Heights, which we're all fucking amped for. Every time I saw that trailer in theaters, I got goosebumps, partially because of how good it looks and partially because you could feel the excitement of the other people in the theater Mm -hmm. going, oh my God, Jimmy Smith is walking into a bodega confidently singing. Singing Good Morning. Usnavi. Usnavi. Who's so named because it's, he's named like after the U.S. Navy, right? I, I, I did see in the Heights. I never saw it. Okay. Well, um, yeah, it's a, the, his parents, when they arrived in America, saw a ship with the sign U.S. Navy on it. That's why he's called Usnavi. Anyway, so we love movies. We don't want them to go away. We don't want Blank Check to go anywhere. Not that it's going anywhere. So we're here to celebrate his fifth anniversary. What are we doing, guys? Well, we have some friends of the show Mm. who, in celebration of our fifth anniversary, have left us some voicemails and sent over some audio messages so we can listen to those. Some clips from past episodes uh, we had posted on on, um, Reddit with uh, suggestions for those. So you guys let me know. Perhaps maybe let's start with like a, a clip from a past episode. Does that sound fun? Okay, let's let's yeah. open up the old clip bag. Let's do it. And for all this stuff, I'm trying to explain it as simply as possible. So there's some super nerds that might know that I'm avoiding some details or maybe simple simplifying something. Like sort of toppings on the pizza. Yes. So here's here's some crazy shit we're gonna get into. Or pizza in the bottle. The way film works, and this is now getting to Billy Lynn stuff. This is we can get out we're out of the film school stuff. Now this is me getting into what's crazy about Billy Lynn. We're walking the walk. The way film, Walking the Walk 2018, the way film works, people often say uh, what allows a bunch of series of still images to create uh, the uh, illusion of motion is something called persistence of vision, which is the idea that like if you right now wave your hand in front of your face, you see that your finger, that the image of your fingers is blurring. And that's considered persistence of vision, which is that um, the image sort of smears in your retina and in your brain. And so 
um, it, that that helps you determine what in what direction things are going, how motion's working. Okay, that's not true. That is oh not God. what dictates motion. That's not what makes cinema works. So now I'm going to get into some crazy stuff. So there's a bunch of these experiments <laughs> that prove that this is not how it works. Here because comes the maraca section. Oh my God. <laughs> David, you can't. Oh my God, this. This is. Well, no, if there's I, one podcast you had into me cinema, with. You're describing how cameras work, but now you're like, now let me upend to you yeah, the thought process. You got to talk vision, All baby. Right, go on, so on. there's these famous experiments where you take okay an image of a red dot. It's not. It's a still image of red dot. No motion blur. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you take that away and put up another image of a red dot in another location. Okay. If you go between those images, one to the other, one to the other, and you start increasing the pace that you're going between the two, suddenly your brain starts to assume motion between them. Uh-huh. And instead of it being one image of one circle here and another here, your brain goes that circle is moving from here to here, back and forth, back and forth, and. Um, in the science experiments, they refer to this in a certain amount of hertz or a certain amount of uh, milliseconds. I've sort of tried to transmutate it into frames per second, okay? Yeah. So the, the frequency at which you do that, when you, it starts as being still images, and then, let me get my exact. Page four. Yep. Welcome to the Five Towers Club, by the way. From zero. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you. Uh, from zero to five frames per second, it's just succession, two images. Then you get to partial movement where you get the sense sensation of things moving slightly. And then uh, at around eight, between 16 and 18 frames per second, which is really interesting, you have what's called beta movement. Okay. Which is just like these like low testosterone oh my God. sort of cuck movements. Hey, Ben, can you open that envelope? Oh, my gosh. This is like Neil Patrick Harris hosting the Oscars. That's sort of why I did this. Ben is opening the envelope. Uh, what's it say on the front there? Griffin will make a joke about beta movement. <laughs> and just open it up. Fuck. This is amazing. Beta cuck movement. Okay. Um... <laughs> I mean, the guy knows me. <laughs> We're very good. Very old friends. Oh, my fucking God. I just knew. I just knew. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, <laughs> around 16 to 18 frames. 1,000 comedy points. Thank that you. really was a tour de force. That was incredible. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, you got it. You know people. Well, that's the funniest thing that will ever happen on this podcast. <laughs> but isn't it funny that that moment, which is probably the funniest thing that will ever happen on the podcast, is three minutes of JD talking in detail about like how the brain perceives movement and how it can be visually tricked, and then that, and then a joke, then the greatest joke ever. Well, I think that's part of what makes it the greatest joke ever. I also to be want clear, to say- then a bad joke by you. And then the greatest joke. Well, agree to disagree. I think it was a pretty perfect joke. I think it was a perfect joke, just like the perfect test and the perfect phone call. But uh, part of the beauty of the joke, it's not that that's the funniest thing I've ever witnessed in my life, but it is the most beautifully executed joke I have ever witnessed. JD walks into the studio, is holding it in his hand, doesn't say anything. When we start recording the episode, which... Par for the course for us was probably 45 minutes after we all arrived. Yeah. yeah. And I probably arrived 30 minutes after everyone else. Yeah. 
Yeah. At the very beginning of the episode, he hands you the envelope, Ben, and says, I just want you to take note of this envelope. I will tell you when to open it. And then the clip you just heard is like an hour into the episode. Probably, yeah. Yeah, it may be 45. It's it's deep-ish into the episode. I mean, he lets it rest for a good long while before letting us execute his joke. And, like, what if he wasn't, like, what if we didn't get around to talking about beta movement, whatever the <laughs> fuck that is? You know, it's it's so funny that he's like, we're going to get this deep, I, I promise. You know, well, J.D. In, comes coming in. As we know, he comes in with a checklist of things that we have to discuss. But also, there's the moment there where I say, which is just like less le- low testosterone. Excuse me, where I say it's like low testosterone movement, and then I take a beat, and JD just kind of stared at me in the room, and then I said cuck movement. I almost didn't say mm. cuck movement, uh-huh. and it was because I got no response that I felt like I had to take <laughs> another bite at the apple. So JD, JD was just like, "I'm not rising to it until he says the word." <laughs> well, he was the Svengali. He knew. He said, "I can't force." His hand. Whereas it's amazing how you can I need hear to let me this play out. during the whole clip. I'm just like, oh God, JD's going too deep. This is too dry. I'm like, you know, I'm being a pain. And then you make your joke and I'm like, oh, for crying out loud, this thing's <laughs> off the rails. Like I am totally in grunt mode until he yes. asks Ben to reach for the envelope. Completely no, one back over. Hearing you like react to it reminds me of another JD moment when you guys are describing the ending of Speed Racer where the crowd is just like losing Great their moment. mind. That's David just going, oh my God, what what am I about to witness? What is happening right now? It felt yeah. like that. And I, I I, mean, I did feel like we were reeling after that. We had to, we had to continue doing the episode, but it was I was just so I fell astonished out of my by... The, the jujitsu of it, you know? Yeah. And then we do talk for another, like, 90 minutes. Like, it's yeah, not like I mean, that it, was, yeah. Not only does he have to complete his entire lecture, but then we also have to get into Hack My Mac. Yeah. Oh, right. It's such a good blank check episode because it is about a movie that no one talks about. It's about a movie that is special for reasons no one acknowledges. By a great artist, but not his great work. Right. Right? I don't know. It also began a tradition. Yeah, an annual walk. Talk in the walk. That walk. Oh, boy. I don't know what we'll do this year. Talk and walk. Who knows? I mean, look, let's say Bobby Zemeckis is now going on to the Elite Eight in March Madness. If he wins, then it's real easy for us. We just literally talk the walk. Yeah, although his filmography is so goddamn long, we probably won't talk the walk till freaking, you know, January or whatever. But yes, you're right. But but otherwise, yes, we're back to the drawing board. We have to figure out what the, the next walk is. I think JD sent in a voicemail as well where he talked yeah. about this, but I just want to yeah. say before we play that, and I'm not going to reveal what it is because he's been very adamant about this. JD uh, texted me while you were playing the clip by pure coincidence. Uh, he's been, uh, has not left his apartment once in the last 10 days uh, from oh, self-quarantine. No. Uh, he he was feeling pretty sick, I think, for a couple of days now on the mend, but is uh, uh, justifiably paranoid. Um, he has been sending me uh, different drafts. Uh, JD is determined to come up with a viral coronavirus tweet. Uh, JD don't, is not on Twitter. I don't recommend Twitter. it. I don't. Yeah, Ange went viral, and she did not enjoy it. No, I I had to give my password 
to my sister because I can't log into my account anymore. It's bad. I'm only on blank check. Don't go viral right now. I'm sorry. Continue. (laughs) You should have said don't at me. That's the only mistake you made. You had a perfect tweet. It was a perfect tweet, just like the phone call and the test. It's like when you ask someone if they're a cop. They have to tell you. If you say don't at me, they can't at you. You should have just said don't at me because you were correct. Okay, but what did JD send? COVID-19, the Widowmaker. JD has been sending me drafts of things that he wants to go viral. Uh, and, and he has been working hard on them. So I just want the listener to know, he said, I cannot give him credit for his thing because he doesn't have a Twitter account. He's, he's giving it to me. He wants to test the virality. But I just want the listener to know something I post probably within a week is going to be created by JD. Very I will never say what it is or isn't. That's all I want to say. Should we play the JD voicemail? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hello, Blank Check family. I'm J.D. Amato, and I love movies. Blanket, thank it, but don't touch each other because of the virus. Um, I just want to send a quick message to congratulate the Blank Check team on their fifth anniversary. You all should be so proud of yourselves. That's such a phenomenal accomplishment. I am, of course, so appreciative of the fact that you've allowed me to be part of the podcast in small ways, but I'm more appreciative of the fact that you've all been such kind and wonderful friends to me over the years. It truly means the world. Uh, I'm currently in the midst of a doctor-mandated quarantine. Don't worry, I'm fine. Um, But the time has allowed me to explore my old emails and find my first-ever correspondences with each of you. So, Ben, my first email with you was in 2015 when you were booking guests for the UCB Digital Podcast. I believe you had to cancel and then rebook, and it all worked out fine in the end. David, my first email from you was in 2014, when I sent you an unsolicited audio file of me giving my take on the current state of reality television at the time, and you responded about 12-hour day and avoided having to send an audio file back to me. Uh, Also, in looking through these emails, I came upon the following email from five years ago, from May 2015. The subject of the email was, help us with the final episode of our stupid podcast. Hey, David Sims and I have been recording a stupid podcast for the last couple months solely about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. The explicit goal of this podcast is to answer the question, what is The Phantom Menace about? And so far we've failed in that regard. Recording our final episode Wednesday, blah, 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 blah. Guys, it's five years later, and that wasn't your last episode. You did many more. And your podcast evolved into something completely different and completely wonderful. And speaking of evolution, I want to say that in life, a lot of things evolve and change and adapt over time, but also a lot of things stay the same. And those things that stay the same can be really grounding and really magical and um, give us a lot of joy, especially in times like this when so many things feel changing and new and strange and uncomfortable It's nice to look back and see that there's certain things that never change and those things that are always true. And that brings me to my first ever email that I got from Griffin Newman. Griffin, the first email you sent to me 10 years ago, June 2010, is the following email. Subject line. Toy Story. Body of the email. Yo, here are the deeds for tonight. Hope you can make it. You've got a friend in me, Griff. And I hope you know, 10 years later... You still got a friend in me, Griff. And to all of you, congratulations on five years. That's such a big accomplishment. On behalf of myself, 
many of your co-conspirators and fans, I say to you, blank you, thank you, and I'd like to end on a question. Now that five years have passed, do you think you've achieved your goal of answering the question, what is the Phantom Menace about? And if not, how many more years do you think it'll take you? I'll take my question off the air. Love you guys. Goodbye. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, of course. It is! And they are presenting the new film, How to Have Sex. Well, wait a second. Which won the Uncertain Regard Prize at the Cannes Film Festival, and it follows these three British teenage girls on a rite of passage holiday where they're drinking and clubbing and hooking up uh, in the streets of Malia, you know, in Greece. Featured debut from rising British filmmaker Molly Manning Walker, notably the cinematographer of Scrapper, one of your favorite movies of 2023. Uh, an, An excellent film. But I just will, I do want to warn you that this is not really about how, like, the the sex being had is often actually, you know, quite, you know, sort of complex and problematic. And it's, you know, it's about difficult situations that evolve. Like, it's definitely not a manual or anything like that. It's not an instruction manual. But it's a a film that I would enjoy watching. It's a vibrant and authentic depiction of the agonies, ecstasies, and ride-or-die glory of young female friendship. It's a good movie. I've seen it. I mean, it uh, sounds like my kind of thing. Uh, yeah. BAFTA nominee for British Film of the Year. Uh, it was at Sundance. It was at Cannes. It's gotten incredible reviews, and it's playing in theaters, and it is a cool movie to see in theaters because it is very sensory. It is, you know, you are partying with these girls. Like, it's about this sort of crazy, sort of, like, overwhelming scene that they're in. So it's cool to be, you know, locked in a theater with it, obviously. Is Dr. Ruth still alive? believe Dr. Ruth is still alive. I mean, yes. I'm definitely going to watch this film. It sounds right up my alley, but I'm also just like, I got maybe got to tackle this other She's problem. 95, on this five, so you want to okay. give her a call soon. But yeah. How to Have Sex is now playing only in theaters. Visit movie.com slash how to have sex, one word, to see showtimes and get tickets. That's mubi.com slash how to have sex. Great voicemail from J.D. Amato there. Gen- genuinely made me a little emotional. Got a little Aww. choked up there. Griffin, why did you send him an email about Toy Story? Do you think you were going to see it? That was the weekend that Toy Story 3 was coming out, and I went at the Ziegfeld R.I.P., one of the all-time great movie palaces. Uh, They did a marathon screening of all three movies back to back to back. And so so at the end of that marathon... uh, Great joke. Five comedy points. But at the end of that marathon, you got to see Toy Story 3 earlier than anyone else. And I invited J.D. because we were in... An improv class together at that time at the wow. UCB Theater, a company that's never done anything wrong. Anyway, JD has been one of our great uh, friends of the show. That that first email he read was us asking him to send in a voicemail for, for the, that, the that final of... Phantom Menace episode. Because we right, just thought... episode 10 or whatever. Let's just get all the people we wish we had gotten on this show. We didn't really have many guests on the Phantom Menace podcast. Uh, it was the next miniseries where we started bringing people on. And JD came on the show for the first time. Right. Um, and uh, our good friend Rachel Ling. Rachel uh, Ling, Chase Mitchell, some of the uh, old Morgan Evans was in that one, I think. Yeah, didn't Drucker do? I can't remember if he did episode two or three. Sonia Soraya. I mean, people yeah. started entering the fray. But did we we had zero. No, we had one guest. Connor Ralph oh, was yeah, the Connor. only guest for Phantom Podcast. Is that true? Um, I think so. Am I wrong about that? I think you're probably right. I I, I don't remember. Uh, I you know, it but up. it was one of the things that certainly uh, helped the show evolve as we uh, opened it up to other people and developed yes. our, our sort of stable of uh, friends and regulars. You know, as the show's evolved, the thing that we've, uh, you know, that we didn't plan, but that we've tried to... Uh, 
uh, acknowledge and hold on to is the show being this weird uh, middle ground between like pop culture criticism and uh, comedy podcasts. Uh, as people who are fans of both of those things and us coming from our respective backgrounds, but also having interest in the other's worlds. Um, you know, one of the things that's fun, I think, is having people on the show uh, who come from comedy backgrounds and allowing them to talk more seriously and not feeling like they need to make a joke every two seconds and having people who are serious film critics on and allowing them to be funny and not making yeah. them feel like they have to uh, weave some elegant tapestry. Not everyone can be the poet laureate. Not everyone can be our finest film critic. Ben has both of those roles on lockdown. So someone yep, like Sonia can come on our show, and she's one of the best writers out there, but she can also uh, do stupid bits with us. Um, should we play another clip? Well, we didn't answer his question at the end. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I feel like we fully know what The Phantom Menace is about at this point. Griffin, do you agree with me? Or am I, I being crazy too. in saying that? No, I think I have an answer. Do you want to say it? I'm curious if ours line up. I want to hear yours first. Say it at the same time on three. No. <laughs> Here's my very short reductive answer. It's about how blind arrogance destroys society. Yeah. No, we have the same answer. Yes. Right? Right. Yeah. It's about like, yeah. I mean, it's weird how the sequels, which George Lucas had no involvement in, were clarifying in this regard. But yes, it is about you're watching an empire crumble under its own, like, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, arrogance, but there's a word hubris. There we go. Hubris. Yes. No, but I think honestly, in light of like sort of the recent movies, I really do feel like it's about like that Palpatine fucks. (laughs) It it is about that. He He forces forces consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's funny. I mean, we, at one point in time, we thought what we were going to do for this fifth anniversary was uh, uh, reassess The Phantom Menace, but with right. context. Right. That was our idea, was talk about it as a Star Wars movie, since we never did that on the show. I thought that would have been fun, but then you decided there's been too much Star Wars talk of late, which is not inaccurate. Right. I, I stand by it. But it is one of those things that uh, I think... You and I are both slightly warmer on all three of those prequel movies than we are in those episodes because of the thought experiment of pretend the other movies don't exist. The affection comes from the way that they're in conversation with the others, even if those movies are not wholly successful. The bit was stupid. We should have acknowledged the other movies. (laughs) What a waste of a year. (laughs) Well, part of like uh the response on reddit is we had a question so maybe i'll post mm-hmm. this to the group do you guys want to maybe talk about what your least favorite episodes are and what you would have done differently if given a time machine and also what are some of your favorite apps i mean uh you know i i said the ones i like the least uh i'll tell you the two episodes i'll give you the time machine on i i think and i've said this before i think uh we were uh really ungenerous to Ahmed Best in our Jar Jar episode. Yeah. I think we were very much following the same line of attack that everyone else was following and putting a lot of the blame on him, which was not uh, fair, uh, especially in light of uh, how much he's opened up about how difficult that process was for him after the release of the film. And the other obvious one is, but it's one of those hindsights 2020, we literally did not know that... Uh, 
Lulu Wang was going to get pulled out of that episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, that episode is tough for me to re-listen to because uh, I feel the same anxiety that probably our listeners feel where you go, God, she only has 20 minutes left. Why are you asking her about interviews? Uh, and the answer <sighs> is we thought we had two hours. It's no one's yeah. fault. Uh, oh, it was one person's fault, but uh, that's okay. It was one uh, person's fault. We're not going to name her. We don't even know that person's name. But I know her name, but that's it's no big deal. <laughs> uh, but Lulu's you're right the about best, that. and hopefully we'll have her on at some other point. Oh, sure. I thought we had a really good sure. conversation with her. I thought our Nausicaa talk afterwards. We should do this with her. We could. Sure. I mean, look, silver lining of Skype, maybe we'll have more West Coast guests on the show in the next couple of uh, months. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I'm trying to think of any episodes I don't like. I feel like we talk. I mean, I don't like the Fantastic Four episode. I already said that uh, whenever we did a retrospect before. I like all the episodes. What's a bad episode of Blank Jack? There's no such thing. I'll say oh, um, I would go back and uh, not lose my phone and fall on the ground when we recorded <laughs> that episode with Dana. You lost your phone and of course, right? Yes, yeah, yes. You were yeah. very late. You were right. Yeah, uh, yes, it was incredibly right, yeah. late. I, I recall yeah. David saying, "I thought you were dead." Yes, I did say <laughs> we that. We thought to you me. were. Dead. That was maybe a little harsh of me, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it had crossed my mind. That was not good. I didn't like that. I sprained well, my ankle severely. Like it was a whole thing. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Uh, that was a day. Yes, I forgot. I forgot that was that episode. Yes. Mm. Was there like a director you guys were kind of like? tired of doing at a certain point like oh sure burton i can yeah, answer that right away <laughs> yeah burton i i will say i didn't totally feel this way but i remember a little bit of exhaustion with spielberg by the end that was at the time definitely mm -hmm. the longest we'd ever done yeah yeah i think that was just because it was twice as long as any miniseries we had done up until yeah. that point there was so mm -hmm. much variety in that career and he yeah, has no, bangers I mean, was, at the very end yeah those bangers at the end rule I think Spielberg's interesting because, like, he. I love our War Horse episode and I love Catch Me If You Can. I think we have some, like, really good episodes in there. I still could not tell you one thing about Steven Spielberg. He's, like, an enigma. Besides, like, he's just good at his job. Whereas, like. He knows where to put the camera and he right. wishes his dad was nicer to him. <laughs> well, that's what's weird. I mean, he's one of those paradoxes where his films are so weirdly revealing and also so weirdly impersonal at the same time there in certain ways he's telling you everything about himself and in other ways you feel like you don't know him at all yeah he's a funny one he's kind of like jerry seinfeld in that sense yeah i think he's less weird on balance but yes i know what you mean you know uh Ange brought up um our warhorse episode i actually have a clip mm -hmm. Oh, a okay. clip from Warhorse. Perfect segue. Perfect old transition. friend, Pilot Virowit. Right. The first three minutes of the film feel like 15 minutes. And it's a series of sequences, totally silent, of Jeremy Irvine watching this horse be born, grow, <laughs> prance around, you know, achieve full size. It's so creepy. Very it's weird. Creepy. <laughs> Very fucking creepy. Okay. But here's where I, here's my first problem with the movie. Yeah. So first pivotal scene is an auction. Yep. Peter Mullen. Uh, great uh, actor. Great plays, director, too. Good director. Mm -hmm. uh, plays uh, Jeremy Irvine's dad. Drunky Mick Drunkenness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old drunk farmer. Drunky-o drunkery. <laughs> uh, farmer booze. Yep. Um, and then David Thewlis plays, like, Lord Evil. Like, yeah. the like the, the mustache and sideburns only 
uh, like, you know, land baron or whatever. Baron Persnickety. (laughs) And he's like, I shall have that horse. A million pounds, please. And Peter Mullen, Peter Mullen, not Jeremy Irvine, is like, a million and one pounds. (laughs) Like, he, he like, dares defy his lord. Right. To outbid him. What does he care about the horse? He just, like, briefly falls in love with the horse and then quickly wants to shoot the horse in the face. I mean, he probably feels like his son isn't going to find, like, anyone else. So, like, he better, like, support this relationship. Yeah. But when he brings the horse back to Jeremy Irvine, Jeremy Irvine uh, acts like, oh, wow, this horse, I've never seen this horse before. Like, he doesn't own up to Oh, he's like, oh, cool horse. Yeah, no, 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 it's a good horse, good horse. I'm going to call him Joey. I'm going to make a special owl call for him. I'm definitely enjoying, uh... I'm enjoying meeting this horse for the first time. I haven't spent weeks upon weeks watching this horse from its birth. Um, but I, the implication, I guess, is that uh, David Thewlis is the evil land. Yeah, but he's he's not even evil. He's just a dick. He's just a guy. And like, he's like, there's a fuckable horse. And what purpose does a fuckable horse have if not just to hang out in like a fancy manner? Right. And be ridden around by rich people and not do much and eat hay. Maybe do some dressage. Yeah, do a little <laughs> dressage. Yeah, be like a, a dancing horse. Sure. Right? Yes. Right, exactly. Well, look, look. A silly horse. Look at this auction, okay? What does David Thewlis have to gain from owning the horse, right? He's a rich man. He could just put the horse up in a and nice his stable. his son is kind of like, eh. Right. I mean, it's okay. His son's not even that into the horse. But the idea is that it would be a show horse. How many times are we going to say horse? We're going to say it so much. <laughs> and that we did. Is funny. Yeah. Can I say that MP3 file is called fuckable horse? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because um, we usually are very charitable to movies. That, you know, like we come in with like sort of like trying to find the things we like in them, even if they're bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a movie that a lot of people really love. And it's a movie that is not my favorite, but certainly has got a lot going on. But we just came in, we were like, Jesus, guys. <laughs> we really just wanted to, to take it to town, take it to the glue factory. <laughs> well, it's one of those things like uh, like Master Builder was a similar thing, where sometimes it's just yeah. like the mood we're in, how deep we are in the filmography the guest we have, just the alchemy of all those things, it just becomes, uh, you know, I, I think uh, you've always clarified, David, over and over again, that this is not a bad movie podcast, that we've tried to avoid that. Uh, no disrespect to bad movie podcasts, but there are too many of them out there, and we felt like we don't want to be just uh, another one. And so a yeah. lot of times people will suggest things to us. You have to do an emergency episode on Doolittle. Uh, and, and we just go well, like, it's funny. not right. Yeah, I mean, look, we we could have boarded the ship with Doolittle. We might have missed our journey. (laughs) We're doing a Doolittle episode, and actually, George Miller is canceled, and we're doing a Stephen Hagen miniseries. We got it. Never mind. All plans out the window. But the point is, like, anytime there's a calamity, we don't feel the need to discuss it, and we don't want to cover someone's film career largely because their movies are bad. Uh, But every once in a while, it's fun to have uh, fun with a movie. And something like Warhorse is just, it's its pretty easily mockable. It's called yeah. Warhorse, and it's about a horse yeah. that everyone wants to fuck. Then do we have a Matrix clip? Uh, yeah. 
you know, as a 14-year-old, I was looking for a sequel to The Matrix that made me feel the way The Matrix did, right? Yeah, and it's a good question. What did we want this movie to be? I think that's a fair question, I, I right? I was trying to watch this and figure that out. I was trying to think, what was I expecting out of this film? Because I look at the trailers and they get me excited and I still don't know what I think it's promising. Yeah. And I realized I sat it's down really that theater. It's really hard to imagine what it could have been, like in a, a more sort of that's the thing. Uh, nominally like uh, commercial sequel. I think I sat down that theater and had no idea what I actually wanted. I wanted yeah. to be as surprised as I was watching The Matrix hard, the first hard time. Hard to do. That's the thing. Right. You know, I, I mean, that's what's tough is it's not just like, oh, The Matrix is really good. Like, yeah. you see something like Guardians of the Galaxy and you're like, good, make a sequel. Yeah, just like, can I have more of these guys pound like, around? characters, they joke, yeah. they fight aliens. Good. Easy great, to make a great, sequel. Right. I don't need the sequel to be to explain, like, the world of Guardians of the Galaxy right. in, like, extreme depth. I don't need bigger picker, picture mythology. I need, like, there's a couple of villains, there's yeah. a MacGuffin, right. and then at the end there's a big fight. But, you know, I get it. It's not going to be fucking, you know, Shakespeare yeah, Joking some pop songs. And it's like, I, you know, nice I, don't, pop songs. I don't know if the movie's going to work, you know, but I know there's a clear roadmap that a it's, six-year-old could tell you is what you Guardians know, of the Galaxy 2 should be. In in basketball, you know, is when you're drafting players. Oh. No, it's okay. It's very brief. You like, talk like in draft day. Yes, but okay. basketball. Can you put it in that in those? Well, terms? sure. In football, yeah. it's probably similar in football. Okay. I don't know, you know, you talk about a player's ceiling when you're drafting him, right? So it's like okay. you see a player in college, and you might say he's good right now. He's probably gonna just be this, you know? Yeah. He'll he'll be good, and then you see another player, and you're like, look, I get that he's rough around the edges. But we know from like doing this for years that he's got the kind of skills that if you develop them right, he could be a megastar. Sure. So like the ceiling is very high, but it's a more high risk thing. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what the Matrix is, right? Like a sequel to the Matrix is a high ceiling. You could make something incredible. Yeah. Like talk about a world where you can do anything. Yeah. Guardians yes. of the Galaxy. You know. You know what you're gonna get. Yeah. You well, know, and that, yeah. that, that sums it up, right? The little noises I just made. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um. But something, yeah, I, I don't know. With this, you you just go like, I don't even know what, the paradigm shifted so much in the wake of this movie mm -hmm. that I don't know what I want out of it. And it's also this weird, like, you can't go home again thing where the Matrix is a hero's journey. It's someone coming to their position. It's a new yes. character entering into the world. Yeah. Right? You know what this movie is? It's like a total subversion of the hero's journey. Man, that's why it's so good. Okay, so. It, I would have, all right, I think I know what I wanted no, no, so or ben, what I would have done your experience maybe. I believe was also seeing this at the time but you did not rewatch it you told me I did not yeah no I, I mean, didn't have time you didn't watch okay we're okay, doing gotcha. these episodes very close together and I don't think we can really reasonably expect Ben to have yeah. to watch everything we're doing three in a row yeah um oh so anyway so I yeah I mean I you know I left and I was just like those were a lot of keys that was my takeaway <laughs> Now, Ben, you like size. You like size. But I do. do you like quantity, or is that less important to you? Because it's, it's a lot of keys. When it's an oppressive amount of keys, I'm on board. So did you find the keymaker's so set of keys to be an impressive amount of keys? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's a lot was, of keys. I was like, that was a I think a he has two layers of clothes that are covered in keys. <laughs> He's got like an outer and inner vest. Can I ask a very, a very serious question? Like, a, Can I ask a very serious question? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Has Ben become our finest living film critic? <laughs> Look, what if it was like USA Today and there's like a picture of Ben, <laughs> picture of Ben like leaning with it against his fist and then and it's just like the Matrix Reloaded and it's just like, those were a lot of keys. It's an important moment. Uh, and, and historic moment and uh, a thing that listeners asked for to, to give more backstory, to, to go down memory lane of how some of those nicknames came to be. Um... But but that yes, that was a big one. 
uh, it did feel like if I can if I can do a little uh, a Ben Hosley tribute here for a moment, if if you'll so amuse me, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's still five years into this show. I don't fucking know if I get the guy, but <laughs> I am constantly, constantly falling in love over and over again. Oh, and that that's cheese really moment secret. is another perfect one where it's just like, where did that come from? It's both. <laughs> It's it's to to quote the storytelling principle. It's surprising but inevitable, uh, and and he truly is our finest film critic. And I also think uh, you know our our listenership would be a lot more limited if not for Ben being a presence on the mic. As much as you Ben always say, it's not my job. If you guys are on a roll, I'm not going to butt in. You know, it, the show's about you. Uh, I've had so many people say, or or even just read people write, uh, uh, you know, I'm not as big a fan as you guys are. I don't watch all the movies. The level of shit you guys know is actually kind of off-putting to me. <laughs> ben is the way that I'm able to get into the show. The fact that there's someone there in the room who has a normal person's knowledge of all these subjects uh, and is both so funny, but also can sort of function as an audience surrogate i i think it's uh it's not the special sauce it's 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 the the bun it's the bread that holds the sandwich together this episode is brought to you by movie of course it is and they are presenting the new film how to have sex well, wait which, a second which won the uncertain regard prize at the Cannes film festival and it follows these three british teenage girls on a rite of passage holiday where they're drinking and clubbing and hooking up uh, in the streets of Malia, you know, in Greece. Featured debut from rising British filmmaker Molly Manning Walker, notably the cinematographer of Scrapper, one of your favorite movies of 2023. Uh, An an excellent film. But I just will, I do want to warn you that this is not really about how, like, the the sex being had is often actually, you know, quite, you know, sort of complex and problematic. And it's, you know, it's about... Difficult situations that evolve, like it's definitely not a manual or it's anything not a, like it's that. It's not an instruction manual, but no. it's a, but it's a film that I would enjoy watching. It's a vibrant and authentic depiction of the agonies, ecstasies, and ride or die glory of young female friendship. It's a good movie. I've seen it. I mean, it uh, sounds like my kind of thing. Uh, yeah. BAFTA nominee for British Film of the Year. Uh, it was at Sundance. It was at Cannes. It's gotten incredible reviews, and it's playing in theaters. And it is a cool movie to see in theaters because it is very sensory. It is, you know, you are partying with these girls. Like it's about this sort of crazy, sort of like overwhelming scene that they're in. So it's cool to be, you know, locked in a theater with it. Obviously, is Doctor Ruth still alive? believe Dr. Ruth is still alive. I mean, yes. I'm definitely going to watch this film. It sounds right up my alley, but I'm also just like, I got maybe got to tackle this She's other problem. 95, on so you want to okay. give her a call soon. But yeah. How to Have Sex is now playing only in theaters. Visit movie.com slash how to have sex, one word, to see showtimes and get tickets. That's mubi.com slash how to have sex. But I, I just need to restate at all times, it is really not a bit. Even if you know that what you're <laughs> about to say is funny. Yeah. These are actual thoughts and opinions you have. You're yeah. choosing to share them and frame them within a comedic context. Mm-hmm. But but hanging out with Ben off microphone is pretty similar to hanging out with Ben <laughs> on microphone. Yes. Correct. I want to weigh in on that clip from a different perspective, which is it reminded me that we did those Matrix episodes very close together. Yeah. Remember that? And... 
we had to cut the third one short because Shannon O'Neill was outside basically banging on the door saying, like, get the fuck out. I got to record my show. Oh, right. Yeah. And so anytime anyone's like, oh, they've already talked about The Matrix, like, we had to rush the end of yeah. the third episode. There's still plenty to say, guys. There's still plenty more I will more say keys. this, too. I watched The Matrix a couple weeks ago with a friend who had never seen The Matrix before, an experience yep. I've been searching for for a little bit to see someone enter The Matrix now. Who uh, hadn't seen The Matrix? My friend Lexi, who now has. But but even watching it with her, I was like, ugh, I would do a much better Matrix episode today than I did five years ago. 100%. Both in terms of just being a, a better podcaster, knowing what our show is, uh, the fact that that Matrix episode was presumably like 90 minutes long is insane to think about now. Yep. Anytime we cover an episode, a movie that culturally big, the episode tends to be five hours. Um, but also, I just feel like uh, even uh, Matrix is one of those perfect cultural objects in that it's a, a perfectly made film that somehow only gets better relative to whatever's going on in the world. It is speaking to such universal truths that whatever shifts in society, somehow Matrix reflects it in some interesting way. Uh, so it'd be interesting to talk about them again, and maybe if the fourth movie ever gets finished, we'll we'll go back and we'll do them on Patreon. Hell yeah. So I thought we could play another message from our mother, Emily Yoshida. Hello, Griffin. Hello, David. This is Emily Yoshida, a.k.a. the mother of Blankies, calling in from Hollywood, California. It's a gorgeous day out here in sunny L.A. today. I um, just finished punching up a third act issue, and, you know, maybe I'll take a, a walk around and pick up coconut off a tree or something. I don't know. Something like that. Um, well, Hollywood just changed me, as I'm sure you you know, you've noticed. Um but you know, I still remember my roots. I'll never forget recording a podcast with you, sweating in a closet while Griffin had the flu, or that other time recording a podcast with you, sweating in a closet while Ben had the flu, or maybe you might have been hungover or something. I can't remember. So, you know, in these challenging times, I'd just like to thank the Blank Check podcast personally for collectively strengthening my immune system. Um, oh, also, while I have you, would love to circle back some time regarding my treatment for the feature film Untitled Bambino Project. I think it would make a really exciting addition to the Blank Check Slate, and I'm pretty sure the Borgata would let us shoot there at a discount. So um hit me back whenever you're able would love to um hop on the phone on a zoom whatever you're comfortable with grab some joe virtually um you know i'd love to make this happen i think uh i think it's a story that needs to be told well um happy 200 boys and to all blankies happy 200 uh, mother loves you very much have a good day. Bye bye. I miss Emily. I mean, I, I, I mean, she just stayed at my house for a week, like a month ago or whenever that was. But I still miss her. And we got an uh, episode banked up. We have we Yoshida's return to New York, all saved up. No Skype or Zoom necessary. 
Um, um, yeah, she's, I mean, of course, she's a great friend of the show, but also, right, I mean, she's basically on episode zero. That is uh, yeah. the the one, the second Fanta, uh, fucking, what's it called? Force Awakens episode. Second that Force was Awakens. sort of the beginning of everything. That was the beginning of us thinking we were blank check. I mean, essentially rebranding the podcast and also outside of uh, the judge, judging the judge and uh, the podcastic four, one of which is good, one of which is not. Uh, they That was really the first episode where we were dropping the high concept shit and the show yeah. was loose and fun and I think kind of established the tone that we would have... Uh, Going forward, so not only did she uh, name our uh, our listeners, but she also really helped us figure out what the show was as we kept yep. moving. I mean, there are a couple people who really like, you know, uh, uh, Ben and Todd obviously are responsible for giving us the chance to even do this in the first place. Uh, and Emily really helped form the show. Uh, but the two other people who we, we credit a lot, but they deserve all the credit in the world, who I think are responsible for you and I being friends, David... Mm. are Alyssa Stanoa, who didn't mm-hmm. even know this until I DM'd her recently to say, three, hey, have three I ever... Like, ha- did you ever realize that you're the only reason David and I are friends and have been doing a podcast together for five years? Um, uh, three Busy Debras coming to Adult Swim soon. And yep. and Pilot Virouette uh, on the War Horse episode. Uh, they are right, the ones trivia. who yep. invited you to trivia. And if not for trivia, we probably never would have started hanging out as much as we did. <sighs> and we never would have developed the rapport that has lasted us these these five long years trivia and the the short running time of the bling ring i would say yeah that saved us really if the right. bling ring had been 220 this podcast might not have ever existed i'm yeah i would have gotten that text as i was as we were leaving the theater i would have been like oh pilot texted me 40 minutes ago saying to go to tra- ah forget it you know like instead we were like you know what let's do it I don't know if we've ever talked about this either in the many times that we re-mythologize our beginning, but oh when you got the text from Pilot saying, do you want to come to this movie trivia night, we were at a different trivia night. We were. I think we have talked about it. We were at a, a bad trivia. We went to a bar to get a drink and they just plopped a trivia, you know, question, you know, a piece of paper in front of our faces. And you went, do you want to stay? And I went, yeah, I like trivia. We should do this. And you went, okay, let's stay. And we stayed for like half But it was like, like what's the capital round. of Bolivia? Yeah, it was not like uh, particularly involved trivia. But I mean, the sliding doors, if we had stayed there at uh, at that trivia night, maybe we'd be hosting Pod Save America instead, you know? Oh, boy. We'd be, we'd be telling Mr. Trump that the line is here and you will not cross it. I don't know. Isn't, isn't that he what they do now? He's not a good president. <laughs> I haven't listened to Pod Save America in, in, in quite a while. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it. That guy's got to shape up or ship out. And I mean it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've yeah, had yeah. it All up right. to here with Mr. Trump. Let's not start any more podcast beefs. Yeah. Uh, okay. Ben, do we have another clip? We do. Well, I thought um, we could just play a few um, moments with um, Chris Gethard. And we also have a really great moment um, from uh, Miyazaki's miniseries where David Rees, I think, really blew everybody away with his assessment of Spirited Away. The stepfather of Blankies himself. That's true. All right. So uh, we're going to get into some of those clips now. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay. Here we go. This is good. This is good. Matthew Wood as General Grievous. 
fail. And now you wanted to talk about for this one. What a fucking piece of shit character. What a pile of shit performance. What an insulting to everybody's fucking intelligence, both both intellectually and emotionally speaking. What a fucking train wreck character. Skittering around on the floor like a little fucking jerk when you're supposed to be this person everybody's chasing. How did this person rise to prominence in any army? Why are the Jedi so obsessed with getting this bumbling fool that can't do anything right? None of it makes sense. The performance is deplorable. I hate it. I hate everything about General Grievous. Three fails here, no question. I'm also going to give him my LVP. I'm going to give him my award for least valuable player. I didn't give out a most valuable player. I don't know who I'd give it to. I guess I'm going to have to think about that. It might be Sam Jackson. Anyway. That's a strong As as what? As your MVP? Yeah, I'm wondering who the MVP is. Yeah, I got mine. All right, so I think this might be it. Is it Ben Cook as Kit Fisto? Ding, ding, (laughs) ding. Kit Fisto is the shit. Did you sense from the Kiati Mundi Plo Kloon obsession? Yeah, I I got it. I got that. Is there a character in these movies that you see less of, that you want more of, more than Kit Fisto? In the second one, in the third one, give me my Fisto. What's the deal? He looks cool. Acts cool. Everything about Kit Fisto's fucking cool. Carries this film. Carries this film. Absolute MVP. Without this, without, without the keystone that is Kit Fisto, this whole movie crumbles. Kit Fisto is by far, by far. You get this sense. I could tell you. I, I saw Kit Fisto for roughly four seconds in this film. Here's what I know. Kit Fisto. Jedi Master, yeah, but probably on the younger side, probably on the more rebellious side, goes off and does Kit Fisto's thing a little too often for the Jedi Council's comfort, yeah, yeah. but gets things done his own way. Maybe he doesn't need the clones as much as others. Maybe he's one of the ones that's voiced some discontent about, why are we relying on this? Because it's easy, that's never been our way. Kit Fisto is someone who gets out in the field, does his own thing. Kit Fisto doesn't care if he needs to go undercover, clandestine <laughs> for months, even years at a time. Kit Fisto gets the job done. Maybe Kit Fisto doesn't play nice with others. Maybe Kit Fisto doesn't get along with everybody all the time. He doesn't play the politics. He doesn't play the game. He goes and he gets it done like a Jedi. Kit Fisto, MVP, now, always, Sorak. Wow. Uh, just to clarify for you guys, he's the guy with the green dreadlocks. <laughs> he's got big black uh, bug eyes. Big bug eyes. <laughs> and dreadlocks. In the second movie, I think he pushes someone over, a in droid battle, over. And he's got, like, he's got no, like he's six fingers. running like a motherfucker. <laughs> when they go inside that big stadium that's very convenient for the fucking battle, he's running like, I'm going to fuck shit up. And he's psyched that he gets to do it. Kit Fisto seems, you know what it seems like? Like every Jedi master has a stretch before he's a master where he just gets real into the fact that he can fuck shit up. And I get the sense that Kit Fisto is right in that phase. He hasn't settled down yet. It's not about wisdom. It's about fucking shit up. And talk about tragedy. Cut down in the prime of his life. I mean, you're saying this was a man with only potential ahead of him. My guess is that if you, like, like if, I would have to, because I'd have to imagine that these Jedi as individuals are legendary characters. Like, like uh, you know, like baseball players or basketball players are to us when we're kids, and I have to admit, I have to imagine. I don't think Kit Fisto's the LeBron James. That's probably Yoda. Yeah, right? sure, right. And then you got Kevin Durant is probably Mace Windu. Yeah. Uh, Adi Mundi is probably. I think he's Demarcus Cousins. He's like a Demarcus. Wait, wait, Cousins. wait. How the fuck did you do this? You're talking about basketball. <laughs> yeah, Demarcus. Wait, who's Cousins. your who's your Kit Fisto then? He's like an Iguodala. Westbrook. <laughs> oh, that's great. Kit Fisto is Westbrook, all day. Yeah. All day. He just brings the thunder. Tell me that doesn't make no, sense. No, no, it makes total sense. It Kit makes total Fisto sense. He's someone who Jedi approaches Russell his job Westbrook. with 
joy and energy and fury. And he's a wrecking ball. Yeah. But that being, it's like, but here's the thing, like, but he needs to be pulled back sometimes. And a surprisingly high assist rate. Yeah, you know, like you course. think he's a wrecking ball and a ball hog, but guess what? Serge Ibaka is not hitting corner threes. <laughs> Without Westbrook going one on four and drawing all the attention, but Kit Fisto enters situation. He's you know what he is. He's responsible Anakin. Yeah. So you think maybe they should have just invested the Anakin money right in Kit Fisto? I want to see a movie about Kit Fisto. But do you want to see it with Kiati Mundi and Plo Kloon? Yeah, I maybe the three of them hanging that, out. Tell me you wouldn't watch a movie. Of course, where I'd watch that movie. Are, are you kidding me? Jedi wrecking crew. <laughs> Those are the three everybody wants to see. So do you want to know something interesting about Ben Cook, who plays Kit Fisto? Paul is like the snake eyes from G.I. Joe. Yeah. He's snake eyes. Uh-huh. Now, I just want to show you. Here's a picture yeah, of Ben Cook. Everything. Here he is. That's what does guy that guy look like to you? Stuff? Who does he look like to Jason you? Jason Satham. Guess who he is? Jason Satham's stunt double? Boom. Oh, my God. That's He plays Jason Statham's stunt double? He's Jason Statham's stunt double in, like, so many movies. Wow, this man. Dude, for the listeners and he is a home, fight coordinator in a lot of movies. Splitting other image. people obsessed with Kit Fisto? Yes. Oh, yeah. I think Kit Fisto is a real... Because he look at his look, you know? The best. There's, like, a big Kit Fisto following I'm really online. glad. Is there any place I can get more info on Kit Fisto? Wikipedia. Uh, Wikipedia will tell you lots about Kit Fisto. And are there comic books and shit? I think so. Do we yeah. know? Yeah, I think, there's I think Expanded Universe Kit Fisto. I want to read universe. all now, the Kit We're Fisto. basically done, but there are Come two on, performances. Come on, we're not done. We're just getting started. We just got the Fisto. <laughs> there are two performances <laughs> I really want to highlight. Kit. Kit. Single syllable. Strong. Kit. It's not like Plockvar or one of these dumb fucking Busby, whatever these fucking dumb George Lucas names are. His name's not Plockvar or Busby. Busby. Kit. Fisto. Oh Fisto, <laughs> he's a Jedi, he's a fighter, it makes sense. Even Plo Kloon is pushing. Kiati Money, rad name. Plo Kloon, right on the edge. Yeah, yeah. Kit Fisto, tell me more. I think this is a record of someone having an encounter with the sublime. Yes, right. Yes. Right? right. right? Which right. I yes. think this movie, even, like, there's a lot about this movie I don't understand, and there's yeah. a lot about this movie that's opaque to me, but Same I here. understand how someone could watch this movie and just feel like this is on a whole different level. You yes. know, this, there's something about it that is just, I don't know if it's the dream logic or it's just some of those incredible images, you know, but it's just like, this is six out of five stars. Yeah, I also think the key difference is I have had encounters with the sublime that I completely understand would not connect for most people. Right. But I watched Spirit Away and I'm like, this movie is capturing the sublime for two hours. Yeah, yeah. Even if I am not as in on it as perhaps Nigel is. Right. Which, let me say, I think this movie is great. I think it's a masterpiece. Uh, I love it. I feel like I need to watch it eight more times. Uh, it was weird to me not having seen it since 2002. Mm. When I would run it in my head, I'd be like, I barely remember any of that movie. Mm. And as I watched it, everything was You're like, there. oh, I do actually remember this. Right. Like, remember every this. element, suddenly I was like, wait, I know the score. I know the yeah, images. Yeah, pretty much the greatest score. The score right. is pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. But I was yeah. like, I had no sort of replay, recall in my head before rewatching it. And all unfolded like this experience of, um, I feel like very often I wake up and I don't remember my own dreams. Right. And then something happens over the course of the day. And you go back. Yeah, totally. And suddenly in the entire right, like, dream I, comes right, flooding right, back right, to right. me. Yeah. And it's very emotionally overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, right, in my dream, someone held my hand. And now that someone has held my hand in real life, I'm remembering this dream where I was in, like, the fires of hell. In your bread. hand held. Right. Well, Sorry, right. retired bit. Um, wh whatever the thing is, right? And yeah. watching this felt like that where I'm, like, emotionally overwhelmed with the idea of this thing that was sort of, like, 
buried deep in my unconscious, which yeah, I had yeah, not yeah. connected with before. Right. Had no emotional connection to the last time I saw it. Now suddenly having this like tremendous weight and feeling like it was like this unspoken thing that had been laying dormant. I think that's why this movie is so powerful. And I think, and I mean, I should preface all this by saying like, I don't know enough about Japanese culture to really understand everything that's going on in this movie, but we can talk about that in a minute. But what I wanted to say was, I think one of the reasons this movie is so powerful is because it always does, at least to me, feel a little bit beyond my ken, so to speak. There's always a reaching quality. And so when you come back to it, it does have that same kind of strange, surreal authority that a dream can have over you, which is, again, almost like the same notion of the sublime. This is just a little beyond what you'll ever be able to understand. And when you watch it again, it's like, oh, my God, I'm back in that dream space. You, you know what I mean? I think that's what I think that's why the movie can be so powerful. Uh, how are you doing, Ange? Good. <laughs> Great. Feeling good. I don't have like a back. You guys are all at like desks of some kind. And I, don't I do have, have a back in my room. So I was like trying to like set up like a like a leaning situation and like I'm my laptop's on like a TV dinner stand right now. <laughs> you're, you're killing it, Anne. Thanks. I'm trying. Um, so, so guys, what are some of our favorite old bits? So like one one bit I remember I totally forgot about is handing out cards. Remember I used to give like the cards yellow cards funny. and red death cards. Card is death, one of your the best death moments card was ever. A big moment. Yeah, yeah people I got have asked about back. the cards. They've asked where they went. Totally forgot. And then Griffin, you had your soapbox bit. Oh right, yes. Remember the, you put the a box, Foley work for the soapbox. Yes, but you would have to go upstairs, and it would take a really long time. And David would always be like, "Oh my god." <laughs> That bit's been replaced with uh, every ad read. I think that <laughs> same function is achieved with every ad read. The Basta on with it. I Get it out the, enough already. I've used the soapbox bit on Twitter, I think. It's like an yeah, easy translatable. Just like, ahem. Um, another one I thought of is remember when you guys kept going blue, brown. We were doing the Batman episodes. Oh, yeah. Not uh, really. Talking Why about the color that? palette of each movie. Color palette, yeah. sure. The Nolan ep- the Nolan series brought out a lot of silliness in, yeah. in a surprising way. That's when we started at Audio Boom. Yes, yep. yes. Ben, you had gotten hired over to Audio Boom, uh, and we left uh, the UCB uh, podcast network to follow you there. Uh, but all of that was happening also while I was filming The Tick. Yeah. It was sort of a pileup of things that happened all at once. Uh, and so those episodes were all recorded at like weird times or days off or weekends when I was uh, really stressed out and overworked. And we had fewer guests on that miniseries because of yeah. that. And I think those episodes uh, are some of people's favorites because uh, some sometimes the show is at its best when we're kind of going crazy. Yeah, uh, it's sadly true. Well, I think a lot like, you know, when directors are like limited in certain ways, I think sometimes if we don't have guests or like a particularly fascinating movie to talk about, not that Nolan's not fascinating, it allows you guys to get creative and silly and weird. Like the Inception, when I remember, I have like a vivid memory of like walking home and realizing that Ben was like adding in like the layers and you guys were each like falling back and just like hearing you all go like, whoa, was... 
pretty fantastic. Should we listen to that? We sure, should. I mean, for context, I was resistant to doing Nolan. It was when we were going to do Michael Bay, when yeah, people right. sussed out through hints on Mike that we were going to do Michael Bay, they started objecting. So then we pivoted to Nolan quickly, and I didn't want to do it because I thought he's too big, he's had too many hits, it's not interesting to talk about. We had mostly covered filmmakers who had had big ups and downs at that point. And Spielberg was something of an exception, but we also covered the period of his career that was weirder. So I was sort of resistant to Nolan, and the thing that finally won me over was in our text chain, Ben said, what about the Inception episode, podcast within a podcast? (laughs) And I went, fine, I give up, and then you and I started planning how we were going to do that episode. It was a classic blank check structure where you and I plan a dumb thing, don't tell David about it. Yep. And test his tolerance for the dumb thing that we are foisting upon him. My favorite. (laughs) But I also think it was, it opened up the show a little bit, both in terms of how silly things got and also in terms of this really doesn't have to be a bad movie podcast. It doesn't have to be a podcast about people failing. It can be a more generous thing of just sort of trying to figure out a person and their work and talking about these movies and their cultural place. I think it freed us up a lot. Okay, Inception. Inception. So, he makes Inception, and it comes out, and people like it. Yeah. Okay, well, good Good up. Wait a second. Ben, what's what? that? Is there a leak in the ceiling? I feel like it's this rubble that's... Oh my God! What's going on here in the studio? Ah, uh, Ben, what's going on? This is great so far. I, I, I mean, I, wait, what's happening? <laughs> it feels like the podcast is collapsing. Oh my God! Is is the room falling apart? The room's falling. Oh my God! Then we just started. I forgot that this is an audio medium. Yeah, no. Uh, How are we gonna? Uh, wait, are you guys telling wait. me that the room's falling oh apart? My God. The podcast is collapsing. Oh God! We have to go deeper. We gotta go. De- can sure. we go? De- can we go in- into a podcast? In a podcast? Sure. I, yeah, I guess. I guess we, we, we're gonna. Yeah. Okay, let's plug in, guys. Ben, don't be too shaken up. Yeah. We can do this. Thank okay. God I brought my dream suitcase. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Great suitcase. David? All right. And uh, how do I just instantly fall asleep? You just uh, put the thing on your arm? Yeah. I never really figured it out. Great. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. Just count sheep. Oh. You Ooh. mustn't be afraid to podcast a little bigger, darling. Oh, oh good. There you go. Uh, Another hi, great line. I'm Griffin Newman. Oh, great. David Sims. Uh, welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. This is a mini-series called The Pod Night Cast, and today we're talking about the movie Inception. Okay, so the movie starts. Uh, it starts... Uh, well, it starts with Leonardo DiCaprio washing up on a beach. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. the first thing. Yeah. Oh, I should just apologize in advance if we have some sound problems. We are recording from the back of a van oh, right now. sorry. I'm going to take a sharp turn, guys. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> it's fine. What great performers we all are. I mean, truly, oh, though. Uh, is the podcast collapsing? Talking about David becoming sillier on the show for someone who, dare I say it, never made a Herald team, never made a Lloyd team, oh, has that's no an old bit. background. That is an old bit that multiple people who don't know what it means texted me being like, can you stop doing that bit? I don't know what it means. Kind of the reason we stopped doing that yeah. bit. Yeah. But I thought it was funny. David truly didn't know what we had planned for that episode, and he was not hearing those sound effects in real time. 
So he's just hearing the two of us saying those dumb things, describing what's happening, and doing yeah. a lot of physical act outs. We were both yeah. acting it out physically. Yes. Because we had to make it real for him in the room. But David, like a great improviser, was just yes-anding. He was accepting the reality, and he was rolling with it. Even if you can hear him rolling his eyes at the same time. Yes. But that, that episode, uh, uh, Rebecca Bolness, friend of the show, and someone who we became a friend of the show through her listening to the show, her starting to write about it on AV Club, then we started communicating with her on uh, Twitter, and she eventually came on the show and has become an IRL friend to all of us. Um, we love her. But the best. Uh, that episode, she put as, it was the top episode on Podmas that week on the AV Club. Where we were like the headline. Yeah. Huge. Huge. One of those things that just kind of like, uh, especially back then, oh, those three long years ago, it was something that could overnight kind of like make a podcast, especially within that sort of sphere. And she had very generously covered us a couple times throughout Cameron Crow and uh, the Wachowski and Shyamalan series. Um, But then that was the main headline, the photo was uh, Griffin and David finally tackle Inception. And the moment that I realized that could be a headline on a V-Club and not be gibberish, you know? Not in a a uh, self-important way, but that there were enough people listening to our show that people could see that headline and it would mean something. Was um, It was one of those moments. David, you and I, both big podcast fans. I, you know, I think we both thought about doing podcasts in our lives but weren't necessarily specifically driving towards that in our careers um but i think that was a moment that was kind of very surreal like pinched me of like this feels like we we're we're a real thing now now can we talk about of course the most important bit in the history of podcasts that i think we're talking around i'm sure what is it i don't know if you folks are aware of this but david grew up in england wait what how did I forget that that's what you were queuing up? <sighs> I mean, I David Sims, who speaks with an American accent, right? Get my passport. Was born in New York City. He doesn't even wear petticoats. He doesn't even spend most of his adolescence in London, England. And David has truly walked off camera. He he left. Whoa! Oh my god! Oh my Wait god! Wait a second! Wait a second! This has never come up on the podcast. That's why I felt like we had to save this for the fifth anniversary as a big reveal. David is currently leafing through his UK passport. He's holding it up to the camera. It's real, folks. This is no bit unless he is committing passport forgery. This is a real EU passport. Oh, my God. David Lawrence Sims. Well, but wow. EU, you're not in yeah, the well, EU Well, I'm going to need a fucking new one because of Brexit, but right now one. I have the EU one. Uh, here's a question. Ange posted on the Reddit uh, a couple weeks or maybe a month or two back uh, asking people for things they want to see or hear in the fifth anniversary episode. And here's an interesting thing to discuss because I don't know if we've really talked about this. Just a nice little little bonus trivia fact to give our listeners. Uh, I Laugh Alone, which I believe is the great Emilio Diaz, right? Correct. Uh, He said, have you ever been close to getting a miniseries subject or a star of the film you are covering to be on the episode? I don't think we've ever come close with a star, but we have twice gotten 
within shouting distance of getting a director on. We multiple times were at least in the preliminary conversations with Ang Lee's people and with M. Night Shyamalan's people. And David has switched to a different background photo that is now Colin Farrell and Gong Lee in Miami Vice. But this is true, and it's not a thing we talked about. And maybe, maybe someday we'll make it happen. Yeah, I guess we talked about, we have talked about Shyamalan. I guess Ang Lee, we never talked about that. We'll see. We'll, times, hopefully it'll happen one day. A couple times we were looped in with Shyamalan's, uh, with, with the marketing team for Glass when that movie was we, about to come out. We talked about that. We did, we did acknowledge that one. We got close to doing it. We almost interviewed him live. And then uh, Ang Lee uh, almost did our live show with James Seamus. Uh, but yep. he was working on something overseas. No, he was getting a, an honorary award in like Taiwan or something. But I believe he was also producing that award show. Well, all right. He's a he's a hardworking guy. Look, I mean, he's not going to get an award without guy. producing the damn show. But he relayed a message to us that he uh, he would have been there were he in the country. Uh, and then uh, when Gemini Man was coming out, both yeah. when it was coming out theatrically and when it was coming out on home video, we were talking with the uh, the marketing team. Look, yeah. we've uh, we've gotten somewhat close, and they're the two who feel the closest. And hopefully, someday we'll uh, we'll make it happen. They're the two guys I I almost would be most curious to speak to, uh, especially Shyamalan, who, in his assessment of his career the last couple of years, I think has a similar perspective on his career uh, as to uh, uh, how we sort of talked about him on the show. I want Spielberg. He should come on. Spielberg on blank check. I would sit down with the bearded one. I would. Now we were talking we were talking yeah. Shyamalan, who is the first director, right? We mm-hmm. covered after the Star Wars days. And yeah. um I thought we could play some messages from some friends of the show who were like really early on started being guests and were, you know, people that are now in the five timer club. Oh, some five timers. Let's let's play the clip. My favorite movie is Wally. Why is your favorite movie Wally? Because because it's really funny. Hi Griffin and David and Ben. This is Katie and Charlie. Charlie, can you say hi? Hi. The last time you heard Charlie on the show, we were on the Titanic episode. Uh Charlie was a tiny baby. Do you remember going to record in a recording studio with me, Charlie? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Uh since then, Charlie has seen a lot of movies. Charlie, have you seen Giantic? Mm-hmm. What happens in that movie? This, um, the boat sinks into <laughs> the water. It does sink into the water. But that's not your favorite movie. Your favorite movie is Wally? Yeah. Who's your favorite robot in Wally? Um, I like Wally. What other movies do you like? Um, the short movies. The short movies? Yeah. Uh, what about Sing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,. Do you like going to the movie theater? Yeah. What do you do at the movie theater? You are in the audience. Yeah. And is it a big screen or a little screen? Oh, a big screen. And what do you eat? Popcorn. Popcorn. Uh, we wanted to say thank you and congratulations on five years. Uh, a special thank you to letting me bring in a baby into a recording studio. I can't believe you let me do it. And um, thank you for having me back after that. Um, maybe Charlie and I can be on again in five more years um, when Charlie will be a big kid and watch big kid movies. Um, do you want to say anything else, Charlie? No. 
Okay. Happy anniversary, guys. Hello, Simsy and Griffy and Benny. This is your friend Richard, the Kevin Feige of the Trolls Cinematic Omniverse. I wanted to say happy fifth anniversary and congratulations on such a successful, joyfully ridiculous podcast. Listening to your show and being a guest on your show during this completely non-stressful, totally normal half decade has made me laugh, made me think, and made me reconsider everything I thought I knew about the movies. I love you boys and wish you at least a couple years more. As ever, please support my trolls as they, and I, their malevolent creator, will always support you. Yeah, we we should acknowledge that the trolls have a significant financial stake in the show. <laughs> they really do. We uh, don't know how, but they're somehow venture funding like a lot of the operation. We're in the pocket of big troll. Uh, <laughs> and yes, uh, the trolls as a collective, much like uh, how uh, uh, Wisconsin owns the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, right. Uh, we we are are largely owned by the trolls as a collective. Man, it was good to hear Charlie's voice. I haven't seen Charlie Baltus since he was about two years old. I saw him last summer, and then he was in a phase where he just called everything yellow, any color. You'd ask him what colors were, but he would always just say it was yellow. And clearly, he's just only you know growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah, it's weird the way he's uh growing as time progresses. It's insane. Uh, can we also appreciate that she said he would listen to big kid movies when he's yeah. five years older, Love. as if Griffin doesn't still watch movies that he would have. Yeah. He, well, look, he, ba- he basically has a, one of your favorite movies is his favorite movie. I'm glad he upgraded because for a while, Sing was his favorite movie. And for a yeah. while before that, it was Cars 3. And I think we're finally right. getting to the real good stuff. Yeah, some auteur shit. Look, I'm willing to call him our second finest film critic. I think Charlie Balthus... In addition to being our youngest ever guest, is the second finest film critic. Um, and we will have him back on the show. Yeah. We will. You know, a, a, a thing we have floated out that now might be a little bit further off just because of where the world is at. But uh, one of our ideas for our eventual trip to Disney in order to cover Galaxy's Edge is to make a little pit stop to visit uh, Katie and Charlie and do a little episode with them. Uh, we would do maybe a Charlie's Choice or a commentary or something with Charlie. Uh, right. So, you know, he'll he'll join the two-timers club eventually. And uh, Katie Richard, Little Gold Man, listen to it. Read them on Vanity Fair. Two of our finest. Two people who we would not be uh, such close friends with, if not for trivia, as well. Uh, it, it's yeah. kind of crazy how many of our recurring guests are either people we met through trivia uh, people who we knew online, but we uh, invited to trivia, and that was the first time we met them in real life, or previous friends of ours who joined us for trivia once or twice and then became closer friends. It really is our our sort of uh, social nexus for this show. Still, I miss trivia. I miss right now. Trivia. I miss everything. I miss yeah. literally everything outside of my window. I think this is a good time to say that Ange rules used <laughs> to be my, we love she her does. it's always she's, a good time to say that yeah. yeah I'm so so happy that we met you and you became a part of the show and now at this point five years you're able to really take on so much more of a role with the show and all that you've done to grow uh, social media for the show and like assistance you've provided to me. And I just really feel like 
you have brought your own voice to this show in such a great way. And uh, love you, Ange, and, and so, so thankful to, to have you part of Blank Check. Thanks, Ben. I love you guys, too. We love you, and you're the best, and you have helped the show in so many incalculable yep. ways. But also, uh, it's been such a pleasure uh, becoming friends with you. You are someone we have yes. met solely through doing the podcast. And it was a happenstance thing, you know, that you happened to be interning at the time that we were sort of getting our sea legs and that mm -hmm. uh, we noticed your tweets and how much better they were than our tweets. And uh, when your internship ended, we said, if you want to keep doing this, we will pay you whenever we figure out how to make money off of this. And for a long time, I have been uh, thanking you at the end of every episode saying thanks to Andrew Fergudo for our social media. But that has been reductive for a lot of that time. That was initially your only responsibility with the show. But more and more over time, you have been taking on more and more responsibility. And your voice has been affecting all areas of the show. And you're looped in on all areas of planning and, and sort of bigger picture strategy. And, and now are, are starting to appear uh, on microphone on the show more often. Um, but, but you are, you know, Ange is, uh, this is, I guess, as good a time as any to make the announcement that Ange is, uh, a producer on the show now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ange is sort of full-time team blank check, uh, as we are figuring out how to, uh, keep this thing going and what else we can grow it into and so how to make it bigger and, and better. Um, the, the Barracuda. The Barracuda. <laughs> The the tweeter, the tweeter. Uh, I'm trying to think. Ange and the pussycats. That's something. You guys are with my pussycats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's hear a clip from that episode. That was the first episode you appeared on, right, Ange? Oh God, yeah, yeah. That was you guys gave me a choice to pick whatever I wanted, and I went for Josie and the pussycats. So Wyatt turns them into the next du jour. Number one. The next yeah. thing. The du jour du jour. Exactly. I was going to say, I love that they hide within the cut. That's a bit of a time jump. The fact that he actually hasn't heard them at all. Yeah, You exactly. assume because he's having the conversation right, with yeah, them. Yeah. Wait, they, they go he, to the bathroom. They go, but he's never listened to our music yet. Right. He oh, presents I them thought, the contract. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah he's, he's, I was oh, here I with real right, Alan rock stars. Alan wreck a deal. Funny. So goodness. He's so good. Where is his Oscar? I, I remember my. Where is his Oscar? Truly, for this performance, him and we'll, we'll get to Parker and spend hopefully like twenty minutes on her. But like, yeah, sure. That's what we need to do. We need to spend twenty minutes on her. My brother Jamesy. <laughs> sure. I remember him coming home, being dropped James off, Newman. the great James Newman, coming home, being dropped off by his friend's mom, who had taken him and his friend to go see Josie and the Pussycats on a play date. Fair. And she was telling my parents how bad the movie was. What? And she was like, Alan Cumming, it's embarrassing. I have no idea why he did this after Cabaret. He's such a good actor. And that woman was married to a record executive. <laughs> So you think maybe she couldn't see the forest from the trees, though? Kind of, because it's like this performance is fucking <laughs> I, I don't mean dead to be rude. on. Yeah, he's fantastic. And it, oh, what a the perfect flip comedic pitch. Yeah. Um, but and then, then we quickly fast. They get successful. Yep, of course. There's a, a little montage of them climbing the charts. Climb the charts. It's funny. Very quickly followed by. Isn't it crazy? This has all happened in one week. So funny. <laughs> so funny. I also love. No. There's the shot when they see the billboard in Times Square where they're rebranded as Josie. Josie, what do you oh, want to read a comic line. book? Go watch an animated series. Go see a motion picture. Called of Josie and the Pussycats. 
but they prior to that says, "Would you rather go see the Pussycats?" Yeah, right. Or um, three fierce, ferocious ladies. So yeah, yeah. Uh, they have this beautiful, like matte painted Times Square, right? Where they don't even like take Times Square and put fake billboards over it. Oh. They compress all of Times Square into one corner, right? right. So that's literally like you can't see anything but it's screens a crazy and billboards. Made up New York. It looks like Akira yeah. or something. Yeah. It's like unbelievable. This movie's great. And they're in their beautiful, like, loft apartment. We that, should, like, and right. as we've already noted a million times, any scene, there is some sort of product placement in the background, basically. Somewhere. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, I forgot that Josie and the Pussycats is the greatest movie ever made. Such a good movie. Just re-listening yes. to that clip. And as if I wasn't already all in on Andrew Gudo at that point in the podcast, I had played the idle mind game of, what if I ever did a Griffin's Choice episode? Not that we would ever need that because the whole fucking podcast is <laughs> David Nye's taste. Uh, but but what if I, like Ben, had to pick a one-off that never would necessarily fit into a miniseries? And Josie and the Pussycats was probably my answer. And then you picked that, Ange, and uh, it's it solidified that you're uh, you belong in this family. Uh, Ange is a very good writer, above all else. And I think uh, saying that you are a social media person, even though we are now properly crediting you as a co-producer of the show uh, and acknowledging all the other things you do, but it's not like you're just the person timing the post. You are writing things that are so in line with the voice of the show, and that's what made us notice you. And uh, yeah. yeah, right. I mean, I think before the Josie and the Pussycats episode, the time that we had hung out in person were almost always like a business meeting. Like, let's get coffee and like strategize right. and catch you up on the state of the show. But that was the start of us all becoming more uh, friends, the four of us together. Right, hanging out and texting about movies. Uh, we might sound a little vague talking about this right now, but it's mostly just because uh, the world's kind of on pause. Uh, but we've been talking a lot about like our plans for the future of this show, but also kind of what we want to do beyond the show. And not in terms of, oh, we should sell a book or make a TV show, because who the fuck cares? That's not what this is about. But trying to find a way to expand what we've been able to do and the fact that we've been able to build a little functioning economy about it, around it. Um, and the most, uh, you know, satisfying part of that is not just being able to, like, give Ange a full-time job, but also people like Joe Bowen, who was just a listener of the show, who sent us fan art. And we've been able to pay him to make more and more art for us, which we use for merchandise. And Pat Reynolds, who does our photo shots, um, you know, Lane uh, Montgomery with a theme song. These people trying to be able to repay them for the time that they put into it, uh, especially because uh, all of us started out doing this just for fun, not being paid any money. And the people who have joined our family also just started doing things out of kindness or out of uh, passion or interest, but there was nothing at stake. And I want to live in a world where people can get repaid for working hard and being kind and uh, uh, sticking around. Um, and we want to try to uh, be able to extend that a little bit. Ideally, uh, in the abstract, we want to be able to make some other shows with our friends, uh, with the people who you hear on the podcast a lot with the people who are in our ecosystem, not start a network or anything, but uh, maybe a little production company. And that's sort of what we've been planning for a little bit. And it's still the plan. 
Uh, it might take a little longer to get off the ground, um, but the hope is that we can build this into a little economy that makes it easier for people to get podcasts going. 100%. Hell yeah. Now, yeah. I I kind of thought it would be fun to maybe talk to you guys about sort of just the run of like the Marvel movies. Yeah. You know, I think we're more or less we've recorded and wrapped on Star Wars and just sort of like our thoughts on how the that that like uh, franchise commentary series has been going. I mean, I think uh, we we waited a while to do a Patreon because we didn't want to do it unless we felt like we had a good idea for what made it different from the main feed without taking something away from the main feed and yeah, also right. a way to feasibly record that much extra audio a month because if we were going to do it, we wanted to offer people a lot for their money. Yep. Um, but the thing that's nice about it is I think... Uh, it's hard to go home again. The show naturally evolves. It changes and it morphs. And if we tried to keep it in the same place, uh, it would be disingenuous because all of our lives have changed in the last five years and we've changed as people and the world's changed around us and all of that. But there's something about doing the Patreon commentaries, especially because they're just on a couch and they feel kind of low stakes, even though there is a lot of money at stake that people are literally betting on those episodes being good. Um, they are able to feel a little bit more like the early Star Wars episodes, I think. Yeah. Um, it's been definitely. so fun. I yeah, loved Big like, Nice. It's not... R.I.P. Big Nice, it was yeah. one of the great places. Uh, terrific place. But, uh, you know, it's not like uh, the main blank check has become incredibly formal or structured, but it's nice to have another feed where we can do sort of uh, weirder stuff. And get looser and have it be more of a hangout show. You know what? I will say, um, over the over the many, many episodes, I've had to cut out stuff to protect Griffin's career. Did you not cut anything out? Oh, no. Why? Was I supposed to? I thought you were joking. No, you yourself just said you had to cut things out to protect my career. That was the deal we made. Yeah, but it was you a didn't bit. Cut that it was shit like out. a bit. And I thought it was it was a bit. No, though. it wasn't a bit. It's a no bits podcast. Oh, shit. I forgot it's well, a no bits podcast. Griffin, uh, I'm really we, sorry. I, I have a little post took... it here. What's that? Well, now it says no now bits. Now I understand. I forgot to look at it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I fucking understand the feedback I got on my Jurassic World Dominion audition. <laughs> now I get it. So now you'll never have Thanks Dominion. Thanks for telling me. Well, I'm right. not anymore. I thought I did a great tape. Oh, jeez, Louise. That was okay. Here was a thing uh, someone asked about on the Reddit that I want to speed round really quickly, just for the sake of getting messy. Uh, sure. Because so much of a running bit on this podcast has been me saying things that jeopardize my career. Not really a bit. Not really a bit. It has increasingly become a thing where I get an audition email and I go, I don't know if I can go in for that, <laughs> knowing what I just said on mic. And at least one time when we had to cut something out. Right yep. after I booked a job. Yeah. Yep. But someone asked in the thread, uh, alongside, uh, you know, what things did you come close to doing? What guests did you almost have on the show? The guests that we almost have and hadn't had, I think we've named all of them, but Max Minghella and Jamie Bell, who we will have on at some time. Uh, James Urbaniak, who we came close to recording with, we will have on at some time. I don't think there are any sort of secret near guests. No. My dad... Uh, right, Robert Hosley we will have on at some point. The mythical My Where's mother. Papa episode. Right. Yes, COVID-19 okay, survivor but... Antonio Dauphin. Okay, but what Someone else? Someone asked that? if I could rattle off jobs I almost got. 
Oh, this is fun. So I'm just going to speed round this, okay? All right, let's go. Obvious one I discuss a lot, Scott Pilgrim versus the world playing young Neil. Yep. I got weirdly close. It was uh, the most panicked I've ever been about my career to playing Ken Jeong's role in Ride Along 2, which was originally yep, written... It was originally written to be a 23-year-old white guy. And if you look at the movie, Ken Jeong was cast so late that he is costume in that movie like you would costume me. He wears a backpack and college student clothes the whole movie. Got weirdly right. close to that. Uh, 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 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast. I almost played Michelangelo in the Michael Bay produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot. I was almost yes. on Smash, playing Deborah Messing's son. That came yes. very close to happening. I mean, you uh, would have been the game-changing element. I think it would still be on today. I think it would Smash. still be on the air. Or it would have gotten canceled faster. <laughs> One of the two would have happened. Didn't we do a Scooby-Doo audition together? We did a Scooby-Doo audition for the movie that is now... Well, it was Scoob. supposed to come out. Scoob, maybe now will never be released or will end up going straight to, to TikTok. Uh, <laughs> but that, the whole thing was they said they wanted a young comedian to play Scooby-Doo and they didn't want them to do an impression of the original voice. They wanted them to make it their own. Do you know who ultimately got that role? Ooh. You tell me. Frank Welker, who for the last 20 years has been the voice of Scooby-Doo in every <laughs> single right. media property. So someone someone eventually was just like, what are you talking about? Just have it be Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? Bloodshot. I was trying really hard to get cast in Bloodshot. Oh, yes, you were. You were. But did you come? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I didn't come as close as the other things I just listed, but I was... Uh, I was trying so hard to get their attention, and I was sort of getting through to them that I made an audition tape of myself doing Vin's uh, quarter mile at a time monologue from the first Fast and Furious. Uh, and that role was ultimately played by Lamorne Morris with a British accent. Okay. Have you seen the movie yet? Yeah. No. It, when, when does it debut? I've not. I can't Tuesday. wait. Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. I'm excited too, honestly. As someone yeah, I mean, who skipped the press screening, I am now excited. I mean, a, a fatal mistake. <laughs> Truly. Well, I partly skipped it because I was like, I don't know how many more of these uh, group events I should be attending. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other regrets, Griffin? Any people you maybe regret <laughs> telling people yeah, to punch yes, in the dick okay. for years? Anybody I'm, I'm who uh, wears like sort of um, like a, a hat you would maybe wear hat, on a yes. boat, perhaps? Look. We talked about regrets earlier in the episode, and I will say... Yeah, I actually almost brought this up then. I know. I think we should talk about this. I, I, I do genuinely regret uh, what, what the Colin Trevorrow bit turned into. Yeah. And, you know, we genuinely are not huge fans of that guy's movies. Uh, right. At the time we started doing the show, we were, as we've said, in a closet doing a show for no money. That literally tens of people listen to and uh it felt like uh well this is so clearly uh punching up who are we this show is nothing we're being hyperbolic in our dislike of this guy as a person uh it's very clear that it's a bit but as things uh, do they metastasize and they grow and they take on a life of their own 
to the point that he eventually uh, caught wind of it and was clearly upset that uh, a podcast spent three years telling its listeners to punch him in the penis. <laughs> and it is a thing that, uh, you know, in the same time that we have mm. been doing this show, I have become much more of a public figure than I was when we started. I am nowhere near the level of success uh, that Colin Trevorrow has achieved, uh, I say in, with all uh, sincerity. Uh, but I've I've sort of now come to understand what it's like to have strangers you don't know uh, uh, saying things about you and yeah. uh, analyzing your intent, all of these things. And I think it's a thing that sort of changed the show that, uh, you know, even if we're going to criticize things, I try to do it from a place of uh, uh, much greater empathy uh and and not do things that can sort of callously be misinterpreted uh and heightened uh to a, de- a degree that you can't even control anymore so i, yeah. I want to say i want to say this look uh genuinely uh i i am sorry to the captain colin trevorrow he has done a number of things in the last year that i deeply respect i think his recent jurassic world shorts the best thing he's ever done I think him giving all of his proceeds from Rise of Skywalker to a children's hospital is classy as fuck. And also, hey, guess what, Colin? You proved us wrong. Your script for episode nine was inarguably better. You fucking got the last laugh. You fucking pwned us. We're the noobs. Touche. And uh, if Colin Trevorrow ever wanted to come on this show, the door is open. Come on, Colin. We Talk we are uh, we and we he are... can he can punch Griffin in the penis. I I will say this. I you know what? Yes, I will say this in all sincerity. Oh, if Colin Trevorrow ever no, I truly if Colin Trevorrow ever wants to come on the show, he is allowed to punch me in the penis. I mean that. I mean that. I swear to God, it is the least I can offer. I'm sure he would he would be the bigger man or whatever. I'm sure he would not do it, but yeah, it's nice I'm sure to give he would because he's cl- classier than us. But he deserves a shot. He deserves yeah, a right. clean shot at the pain. All right, let's wrap this up, guys. I gotta go eat something. Yep. Well, do Griffin and David? Do you want to say nice things to each other? I'll just say I love you, boys, and I really uh, respect you both. And I think you guys are hilarious and smart. And the show that we are going to keep doing for a long time is, um, I don't know. It's just really fun and cool. It is fun and cool. Like me. David's pretty cool. No, please. David, uh, David yeah. doesn't want to say anything sincere. He wants to compliment himself. He wants to say that he's fun and cool. Well, he is oh, now bad. He's he bad is. Sims. He's I bad, am bad David. David. Bad he's boy bad Sims. Sims. I, where is it? Oh, oh, shit. oh, the shirt? You're going to put the shirt on? Get the vest. Get the vest. I, I will say this uh, about David. Uh, it, it is one of those things where uh, he was the friend I did not know I was missing in my life until hmm. I met him. Absolutely and we met at a weird time. We met yes. through weird circumstances. Uh, but once we started really clicking, I, I recognized this is a person I can have types of conversations with that I have never had before. These conversations I have previously only had in my mind with myself, or I try to have them with other people and they go, I don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. That is true. Uh, 
it is a great pleasure and a great privilege if you get to meet someone in your life who unlocks a different part of yourself in that way. And the thing that makes me happiest about this show, if I can get emotional for a moment, Why is not? that when uh, people message us and say, uh, especially now as people are self-quarantining and social distancing, uh, you know, we get these messages scattered throughout the year, but there's been a lot of them in the last 10 days or so. Uh, people messaging me directly and saying, I really, really want to thank you folks for continuing to do the show and putting out a regular schedule while all of this is going on because I'm kind of losing my mind and the show really helps me. Uh, and I'm a dude with a broken brain. I discuss it a lot. I got all sorts of weird mental and emotional peculiarities. And for me, one of the things that has always kept me sane, whether or not it is healthy, I self-medicate with uh, the art and the entertainment I love. It is the, the movies. They're, they're the things uh, you're looking for that give the me movies. The, movies. the movies. They give me exactly. uh, solace and they Same. help me understand the world a little bit. And they give me a little place that feels like home. And uh, my friendship with you, David, is another thing that gives me that uh, relief. And what we have, I think, unknowingly been able to make with this show, which we never could have done by design. But when people send those messages, what I recognize is happening is we are allowing other people to join us uh, in these conversations. People who live in different cities, who live in different countries, uh, who might have... Uh, a weird job at weird hours or a weird school in a weird place where no one else cares about the things that they care about. And you can always go online. You can go on a message board. You can go on blankies.reddit.com. But uh, these conversations, you know, very quickly can take a turn online. And what we have tried to uh, do with this show is make a conversation that all of you folks can join in on that feels like the beers or the coffee you would have after seeing a great movie or a bad movie when you're trying to dissect it and uh, trying to offer up that kind of friendship to other people. Um, so, you know, it never gets to the point of seriousness where I have even verbalized this to you folks because it's never something I'm seriously considering. But when I'm in my darkest moments, when I'm in my most stressed out, when I'm feeling the most depressed about my career, or my life or whatever... I go, should I stop doing everything? Should I move to the Alps? Should I stop doing the podcast? Is the podcast a hindrance to my acting career? Is the podcast a hindrance to my social life? I investigate all of these things because I overthink everything. And the answer to all of them is no. It has only enriched every sector of my life. But also, when I get a message from someone saying, I've had a really rough year. I struggle from depression. I've been having medical issues. I went through a bad breakup. My mom is sick. Any of these things. And these messages are coming in with greater frequency now uh, as we're all fighting this pandemic, um, it makes me wonder why I would ever consider stop doing this thing. Because at the end of the day, it is the only thing I've actually aspired to do uh, in my entire life. Whatever uh, abstract uh, career goals I have had at any point in time assigned to any specific type of job, the thing I really wanted to do was uh, make something that people could care about, feel like I made some yes. positive impact in the lives of other people through something they could consume because the stuff that I consume is the only stuff that keeps me alive. Um, so people often send those messages or will like stop us when we're out on the street and say these things to us. And I feel like it's always prefaced with an apology. I'm so sorry to say this. I'm sorry to bother you. I'm sure you don't want to hear this. And I just want to say, uh, never stop saying these things. 
uh it means the world to me and it means the world to us uh it's very validating and um it's it's honestly it is a great honor to um be allowed into your lives in that way and i hope we can uh continue making things a little bit better for you or uh at least a little more comfortable for a couple hours a week i agree hell yeah um yes it's very hard (laughs) to make friends uh this griff's all emotional it's very sweet we love him i love you buddy I would just like to point out that uh, listeners, uh, the image I want in your head while Griffin gave that beautiful, <laughs> really like touching speech. Yeah. There's a shirtless photo of Vin Diesel <laughs> looking at each other, Diesel. both holding <laughs> surfboards. <laughs> Look, Meanwhile, it's I'm very sorry, touching baby. and beautiful. I'm I just sitting next to Gong that... Lee in a bathrobe. Hey, uh, she's in the bathroom. I don't know if you know That's this, the image I want in your heads. This is a very very silly podcast (laughs) griff it's very you know it it is hard to make friends when you're a grown-up i don't know if you agree with that but i and i agree 100 and everything we've been saying it's like it is nuts that it all worked out the way it did and how easily it could have not worked out Mm -hmm. um and uh and then it got us where we are today i don't know you already said all that stuff it was great I can't, I can't, come on, I can't top that. Hey, and that's why I love you, baby. Classic Sims. (laughs) So on brand. I'm hungry. Uh, No, it is. I feel like the four of us or, you know, any, any two of us in any configuration, often when we're hanging out, we'll say, like, looking back, isn't it crazy that we made that decision at that point? There are a bunch of things that in retrospect, we go, God, we really dodged a bullet there. Or we somehow did this thing that helped us weather the weird ups and downs of this podcast industry uh it's weird to be making a thing in an industry that is still figuring itself out um and uh we've gotten really lucky in a lot of ways but we also just we work really hard to try to figure out what you folks are responding to and try to give you uh more of that uh you know the money that we have now gotten from patreon is something i think we never could have anticipated it has changed all four of our lives but it is not Mm -hmm. something that we are going to uh let uh make us lazy we are not going to rest on our laurels uh we're putting it it back into the show we're putting it back into the show and into the community and we're following the m night Shyamalan model which is you you gotta bet the house and you gotta stay scared and you gotta keep on trying to push yourself to new areas so um you know the show's gonna keep evolving it's uh nothing dramatic is gonna change in the way it sounds to you the show will remain the same, but stuff is changing behind the scenes, and hopefully it will extend to other things outside of it. If any of us are ever allowed to leave our house, hopefully we'll be doing more live shows, and we'll be branching out and having other podcasts that exist on our little family tree, and uh, yep. making some real, real nerdy merchandise for you folks. We have stuff that has now gone through production, oh that is God. sitting in boxes. The that emails we will... I have received... They will release yeah, to you at some point. Can I reveal? Let's reveal one thing because I think it will oh, be exciting yeah. to people. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, the relevant item to today's episode. We have, we have a special. It was going to be sold at our live show. We have a special design that the great Joe Bowen uh, made for us. Uh, tough to make the five uh, anniversary design that we were going to sell as a poster and a shirt. We will still be selling them at our New York live shows, which are now rescheduled for June 29th. If you already have a ticket, 
your ticket has rolled over to the equivalent show, the earlier late show, on that night. If you can no longer make the show and you have a ticket, they will refund you, and thus uh, tickets will be opened up to the community to give some other people a chance to get into that show. Uh, but yes, we have a really cool fifth anniversary design we might post in a little bit. Uh, we'll sell it online as well uh, as a t-shirt and a poster, but it's just loaded with many of our favorite bits from across the history of the show. But you want to talk about some real nerdy shit, an initiative led by our own Angela Barracuda of Farragudo. Uh, we have produced physical uh, comedy point coins. We have yes. produced arcade-style metal tokens. Well, I was personally inspired by John Wick. They they are like the John Wick coins. They are I not valid currency. I looked up the specifications of the... What's the name of the hotel? Uh, Continental. The Continental. The Continental uh, Hotel coin. But this is a, th- a 3D printed relief true metal coin with our dumb faces on it that is valid for five comedy points and in no other way is legal currency. That is something we have invested our money into making and we will be selling to you for probably no profit. (laughs) The margins on that one are going to be tough. But you can yeah. give comedy points to your friend, and yeah. that's what we yeah, want to do. That's that's the margin, the joke margin, the comedy point margin. It's the joke margin. We want to open up the comedy point economy. As the world economy is tanking, the comedy point economy needs to rise to the occasion. Um, so that stuff will be coming soon. And look forward to more uh, future announcements of uh, other stuff we try to do. We're trying to spread our wings and come up with some other things. We can do use the money you're giving us uh, for good and take some wild chances and maybe eventually get to Disney World if they ever reopen it. Um, uh, Drop in some uh, final voicemails at the end of this episode and a bonus size, but a bonus size voicemail from the great uh, Chris Weitz. Uh, An example of someone uh, who, David, as you said, it is tough to make friends as a grown up. Uh, This podcast has been a conduit for most of my adult friendships now. Yeah. Uh, The people I knew a little bit, the people I've met, the people I've gotten to know better. Uh, And Chris is a great example of someone who we were fans of, who then improbably listened to the show, reached out to us, and now has become uh, something of a friend. A friend Uh, and also a a collaborator. And a producer on Night Eggs. Night Eggs. Uh, so thank you all for listening uh, all these years to all of these episodes. Uh, and thanks to Ange Ferguto for producing this show, along with Ben Hosley and uh, Rachel Jacobs, who has uh, stepped up to the plate and has done some Herculean work for us over these last couple of months as we have been weathering uh, multiple uh, career and industry transitions. Uh, Rachel has been uh, hugely, hugely, hugely important to the show in that time. And yes. uh, thank you to everyone at Audio Boom who has supported us uh, and supported us uh, uh, pretty unconditionally, has never tried to change the show, has given us uh, a ton of free reign. And yes. um, uh, when we, we jumped over to them, uh, we were still in a weird contractual place and they let us record the show with them for many months before a contract had been signed before ads were sold before there was anything to get from us and it was a real uh show of character and faith 
so thank you, especially to Brandon over at Audio Boom for that. Yeah. Um, and uh, UCB Comedy for giving us the the start in the first place. Uh, bits aside, uh, they did yeah, let us sure. uh, uh, crack that. They egg didn't need to do that. Yep. They they did not. They had no reason to. In fact, it was probably a bad idea. It was probably <laughs> yep. poor business strategy. <laughs> Much like everything they do. <laughs> and thanks to Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Uh, yes. Two geniuses. Uh, of... People who just sent us stuff online. And, uh, it, it, you know, much like Ange, we said, if you want to keep doing this stuff, we'll figure out some way to repay you someday. But it is crazy. The longer this has gone on, the more and more insane their work has become. Uh, Pat especially, who had no background in graphic design and Photoshop, did this just for fun. Uh, I feel like every new miniseries artwork he does for us is somehow more complex and more flawless than the one before it. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to see the fifth anniversary design that Joe Bowen did because it's a real ah, chef's kiss. And Lane Montgomery for our theme song, which was, you know, uh, written at the last possible second because I'm bad at planning things. And And the perfect amount of time for washing your hands. It turns out to be perfect hand washing time. Big... 20 um and hopefully uh our live show at the bell house rescheduled will be also the inaugural live performance of the blank check theme song uh with lane montgomery uh so look forward to that as well as the debut of my buried jeans wow you're gonna reveal that here yup okay might as well the jeans are out of the ground baby and they are ready to be shown off on the runway ready to be revealed they will be shown at our live show on the 29th those live shows were originally going to be the first two toy story movies as live commentaries we're now just doing those on the patreon feed uh but the thing we have planned for the two live shows now i think people will be maybe even happier with i i think they will be uh, truly satisfied with what they're we're planning now it is uh, very much it's going to uh, be on great. game with two of our classic bits. Um, and yeah, uh, go to blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. It is very bizarre. Uh, the community that has sprung up around this show. And as I sort of alluded to earlier, it is nice to see people who have a safe online space where they can run and go. Am I the only person who noticed this weird thing on this poster? Uh, the way I used to feel before I met David and have a receptive online community there to go, no, I also noticed this as well, and it's been driving me crazy. Uh, and uh, I, I, we pride ourselves on having a nice uh, fan base and a place uh, in a world where so much of the shit that happens online, especially around uh, the entertainment industry, can get toxic very quickly. And I implore you all to constantly uh, remain kind. Uh, and Be nice! Uh, Represent us well. Be nice. Love movies, because that's what it's about at the end of the day. And, as always, David has fully rolled off camera. <laughs> He's been throwing his hands up like, I don't know what to do. Clearly, David's Forky hungry. is yelling at him off I'm screen. hungry. He wants to eat. He's hungry. And I don't know if you folks know this, but I just feel it's important to say before we end this episode... I heard a rumor that David's from England. All right. All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Great up, guys. Bye. Hi. Hello. This is Shirley. 
Uh, I don't know if I needed to say that. <laughs> anyway, happy fifth anniversary, blank check. Congratulations. What an achievement. Uh, Ange said that I could make this voicemail whatever I wanted it to be and however long I wanted it to be. So, whoo, that is a lot of pressure. Um, at first, I thought maybe I would read the architect's entire monologue from The Matrix Reloaded or describe in excruciating detail the plot of um, Detective Pikachu or do something just as tedious and on brand as like a fun little prank. Uh, But truthfully, I'm feeling kind of sentimental sitting here in my apartment in LA, social distancing with a glass of wine on a Friday afternoon and operating on this like low grade level of constant unwavering anxiety about the future so um here's what i want to say i've only been in the studio twice uh for ang lee's sense and sensibility and for ponyo during the miyazaki series but both of those visits were first of all some of the most fun i've ever had in the middle of a work day and second of all discussions that made me think about movies and movie making in an engaging illuminating way that you know even though I write about movies and tv shows sometimes it gets lonely putting ideas out there for strangers to respond to on the internet which is something I've never really gotten used to to be honest so I remember that first episode was such a breath of fresh air for me at the time Um, you know just getting to talk about a good movie with good people to dive into one piece of filmmaking in the context of a larger filmography to hear all your bits and Griffin's impression of Alan Rickman and Ben's uh, hatred, however misguided, for the film and David going off the leash, which I am not sorry about by any means. Um, This is going to sound incredibly cheesy, but... I think a lot about this quote from Before Sunset, which is one of my favorite movies, as I think maybe David knows. Uh, Esther definitely knows. Shout out to Esther. Anyway, there's a bit in it where Celine, Julie Delby's character, talks about how when you're really young, you take people for granted, that you're just going to keep meeting interesting people all your life. And it's often only later, and sometimes too late, that you realize that it's actually really rare to find people you can truly connect with. And I think the same applies to more than just people, you know? It certainly goes for the pop culture you consume um, and for your experiences too. Just that that serendipitous thrill of discovery and, uh, I mean, what's the the word? Like kinship, togetherness? Great show on HBO. Anyway, I just think those times in the studio with you guys fall under that umbrella for me. And I am grateful. I really am that you opened your door to have me guest for two films that I love dearly. Thank you for that. And Griffin, thank you for the comedy points. And Blankies, thank you for listening. God, I really hope I'm not the only one leaving a sentimental message. Um, If I am, I'm not going to apologize. I'm just maybe a wee bit embarrassed. Uh, But really, congratulations on hitting five years. That's insane. Holy shit. Um, Hopefully, I'll see you guys at some point. David, I'll continue to bug you on Slack. 
stay safe, stay healthy. And to wrap up, I'm going to leave you with a quote from Ponyo, a really poignant one, I think. So, uh, <clears throat> this is so stupid. I'm laughing alone in my apartment into my phone. Bye. Hi, Blank Check. It's your friend, Fran Hoffner from all the way in New Jersey. And I wanted to reach out and wish you guys a happy fifth anniversary of doing the podcast. Um, but before I get into the things I want to say, what I actually want to do is just fill in the back 30 ep- minutes from my Public Enemies episode because I feel like I didn't get to say enough about how cute Stephen Graham is and now seems like the sort of perfect opportunity to get in all of my opinions. Um, just kidding. It's hard to do a just kidding bit when it's just you alone recording on your phone. Um, but thank thank you for the show and thank you for having me on. Thank you for letting me ask if John Krasinski in the holiday is the Adam driver of Lincoln in of 2006. Um, you, you guys have introduced me to many movies that I think it would have taken me at least two to five years to find on my own. Um, I'm thankful for, you know, the broadcast news episode and for the Billy Lynn episode and any long diatribe about the mule and or green book, which as far as I'm concerned are kind of just the same movie in my mind now. Um, I, I listen to this podcast either when I am commuting or when I am running or taking a walk. And so I get to experience this very unique point of joy where I get to listen to people talk to movies, which about movies, which is one of my favorite things, but also be outside, which is its own unique kind of loveliness. So thank you in a very literal sense for making being in the world um, a nice and wonderful place. And I hope you guys do at least five more years and then maybe it should be done. Okay. Love you. Hey, Blank Check crew, it's Emily Vanderwerf here for some trans representation. So David and I used to be in a Slack together, and I remember when he started talking about this podcast he was going to do with his friend Griffin. Honestly, it sounded like the worst thing imaginable. A whole podcast about the Phantom Menace? Clearly I needed to save my friend from some bad influences. But five years later, Blank Check isn't just my favorite podcast. It's a show that's gotten me through some incredibly hard times and some big changes in my life. I'm so honored to be a once and future guest on the show, and I've been touched by the fan responses I've gotten to the Silence of the Lambs episode in particular. Griffin and David, Ben and Ange and Rachel, you've all made something wonderful and funny and occasionally profound, and I will listen for many, many years to come. Thank you. I'm good. I'm scared. I miss my friends. Downtown Los Angeles is empty, and it's been raining, and this is some real Blade Runner shit. I hate being stuck inside, but I'm glad this show will keep rolling on. I'm glad all of us have this community of weirdos to come home to every week. Before I wrap, though, I've got a taco report. So I'm at Gorilla Tacos, an amazing taco joint here in DTLA, and there's this huge collection of tween girls just screaming their heads off, eating tacos, making a mess, and I become aware there is a dad sitting with them, surrounded by taco detritus, eyes closed, hands folded together in front of his face in the eternal gesture of, oh God, make it stop. That man, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary friends, was John Favreau. 
I'm sorry, it wasn't a burger report. I really had one once, and then I forgot it. Love you folks. Love you blankies. See you when they let us out of our houses. I will be back on this fucking show, I swear to God. Hello, uh, this is Chris Weitz, uh, director, screenwriter, occasional producer, blanky, Patreon subscriber. Um, uh, and uh, left me a lovely message uh, soliciting some kind of uh, comment uh, about uh, movies and about blank check in general. So, so here it goes. Um, I'm probably going to get interrupted because uh, we've got three children at home, uh, which is, of course, wonderful. Um, it tends to uh, impinge on the work uh, quite a bit, but I, I think I've gotten five minutes aside to do this. Um, so some reflections on movies, which are going to sound uh, a bit airy-fairy, but, uh, you know, these are uh, uh, very emotional times. Anyway, uh, I've, I've been uh, trying to focus my 12-year-old uh, in this whole homeschooling endeavor, and um, one thing he seemed interested in was uh, to learn about filmmaking perhaps just because he knows that it would involve watching movies. So we've been um, watching The Seven Samurai in, in bits and pieces, not the way that it should be watched, of course. And um, we will watch about a half an hour, and I will uh, yammer on to him about uh, the things that Kurosawa is doing, the amazing way that he organizes um, scenes, the, uh, the, uh, how he uses his experience as an AD um, to uh, move crowds so beautifully to organize uh, movement and I will say you know oh here's some jump cuts uh, we haven't seen those in the in the movie so far and look at this what kind of uh, what kind of lens is this is it wide or is it tight and um, this is called an over-the-shoulder shot um, and uh, talk about the editing rhythms and everything and of course <clears throat> you know once you start to uh, cut these things up uh, enough it, it almost seems as though you're losing the particular magic of film but but actually I realized that um, you know, as he and I watched this and we talked about it and we would say, oh, that guy's so badass, he's so amazing, you know, we love that samurai. Uh, the, the interesting position of, of watching a movie, I mean, in part, it's sort of like, I used to think it was sort of like, um, you know, when, when robbers um, uh, substitute some security camera video, right, and that you were hijacking your inner um, perception, perhaps your inner reality with something externally supplied. And, and so that's, I guess that's sort of escapism for, for a while. You are not yourself. Um, you are whatever the movie is. Um, and indeed, it's really wonderful when you leave a movie theater and you have this strange sense that the atmosphere of the movie is continuing. You sort of find yourself thinking and acting uh, sometimes foolishly like a character in one of those in, in, in the film. Um, but actually, I was thinking, watching Seven Samurai with my son, that it's, it's more than that. It's actually as though you're not all gone. You're, there's still a large part of you there. There's a commenting part, an observing part. And it's this kind of extraordinary kind of metaphysical feeling, like you are uh, a god or an angel, um, you, albeit one that doesn't have the power to uh, affect uh, what's going on in front of you. But you're kind of, I guess, maybe you're Uatu the Watcher, right? You are um, experiencing this strange transcendent thing uh, of, of life taking place in front of you. Um, and I, I've often thought, and this is perhaps where it gets super airy-fairy, that, that people like me who are lucky enough to be able to, to make these things, these kind of weird um, contained uh, waking visions, are sort of uh, in the position of a priesthood, right? We get to kind of 
um, create these uh, ritual experiences for people. Sometimes we have, um, you know, extra bits of knowledge that help us do that well. You know, in fact, everybody can do it, as we know from YouTube. Um, but occasionally we are given the extra sort of ritual tools and um, techniques. And sometimes we even know a thing or two about how to do these things. Of course, there's some, like your uh, Kurosawa's or Director Bong, who seem to channel this uh, sort of divine ability more than others. Um, and the rest of us are kind of, um, uh, you know, parish priests, uh, as it were. Um, this kind of brings me to uh, this uh, metaphor that occurred to me, um, like how to encapsulate what I think about what um, uh, what David and, and Griffin and Ben do. Um, you know, when, when, uh, when we were uh, making uh, Rogue One, that is, say, Gareth Edwards and, and uh, the rest of the team on Rogue One and I, um, Gareth was very keen to portray a universe uh, in which uh, the Jedi were absent, but there were still people who kind of kept the flame alive, these sort of Force-sensitive people. Um, so we uh, made up these characters, Chirrut Imway and Baze Malbus, and um, they were guardians of the wills. I went back to the, uh, the old books, uh, of, of early Lucas, uh, nerddom and, um, and, uh, imagined these, uh, sort of monks or priests who were not, uh, who didn't have Jedi powers, but they sort of kept things alive. Um, and, uh, I sort of think that way about, um, about, the two friends, or I'm going to also throw in Ben, and I'm going to throw in Ange as well, uh, and, and all of the contributors um, to Blank Check, that uh, they are these kind of force sensitives to the Jedi powers of movie making, and they keep this um, belief uh, in something transcendent uh, alive. So, you know, Griffin's like, uh, maybe Griffin's like Baze Malbus, and Dave's like Cheridimway. I don't know who's who. Anyway, um, and I, so, you know, when I think about uh, Blank Check and all of the time I've, I've spent with them, it really, um, I, I, I'm just filled with gratitude for how they have um, reignited my care for movies, um, you know, both high and low. Um, and, um, you know, I feel whenever I'm listening to Blank Check, and I, I've told this to the Czech, the, the Czech guys themselves, that... Um, that I feel like I'm in a more humane and thoughtful and kindly space than I am at, at other times. Um, and I think that the world that they imagine, all of them, and I mean also, you know, uh, uh, you know, Ange and the uh, Mother Blankies and uh, uh, all of, the, you know, J.D. Amato and all of the wonderful guests, um, who come on, I, I feel uh, as though I'm in a kindler universe for, for a little while, um, and one in which I can uh, focus again on uh, the extraordinary power that these movies have um, to uh, entertain us and to also entertain our spirits uh, in a deeper way. Um, so thank you guys. Uh, everybody out there, uh, stay cool. Stay indoors, I guess. Um, and, uh, catch you on the other side of this. Bye-bye.